RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy. Welcome to the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy. It is uh, a Nashville hangover week this week as we're in the in the lull between Valor 65 and 66. And uh, tonight it's recap show. It was a, a very, very good event in Nashville for Valor 65. We're going to get recap and reactions uh, tonight. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Justin Watson, Greg Hopkins on the line with me. Uh, we're going to get to that recap of Valor 65 as our main uh, course tonight. But uh, before we get to that, we've got a little bit of, uh, of housekeeping to do and some interviews uh, here after we get caught up on national stuff. We're going to talk to two members of that Valor 66 card, which goes down next week. World Famous Cotton Eye Joe. It's an all-pro show. Tonight, we're going to talk to the Ninja Turtle, Paul Teague, before he takes on Logan Neal. And then we're going to talk to the Asian Persuasion, Jason King, one of our uh, favorite guests on here, before he takes on uh, the undefeated Brian Stonehands Jackson. So uh, that will be coming up uh, here next. But before we get to that, let's uh, do a real quick recap of uh, last week's news. It was the UFC on ESPN number six coming from Boston last week. And, uh, you know, this went down Friday night. It was a, an odd Friday card. We had weigh-ins that night. So I haven't got to see a whole lot of this. We'll be leaning on Justin, I'm guessing, for a lot of this recap here real quick. Uh, Tanner Bozier over Daniel Spitz. Brendan Allen, former Valor 185 Pro Champion, gets his UFC debut win with a submission over Kevin Holland in a, in a little bit of an upset there. Um, Sean Brady with a decision over Court McGee. Randy Costa over Boston Salmon. Sean Woodson over Kyle Bokniak. Molly McCann over uh, Diana Belbita is what I'm going to say. And then uh, Charles Rosa with a submission of Manny Bermudez to round out the prelims. Justin, anything on uh, this preliminary card uh, stand out to you? Uh, Molly McCann was a beast. Uh, her, her opponent was was really well-rounded, too. I, I wasn't expecting her to put up as, as good of a fight as she did, but um, that was a fun fight to watch. Brennan Allen looked great uh, with that second-round submission. Um, let's see here. I was kind of surprised by the Court McGee fight. Um, but Sean, Sean Brady now 11 and 0, um, Bokniak just got ran through and then, uh, the, probably the biggest upset, I guess for me, I thought was, was, uh, Charles Rose over Manny Bermudez, got him in an arm bar in the first round and, and submitted Manny Bermudez as kind of, um, Manny's game. And he fell, fell into, into Rose's, uh, arm bar, but you know, Rose is a black belt. So, um, it was a, it was a impressive win. Good comeback for Rosa. Main card, uh, we saw a little bit of an upset for me anyway, as Darren Stewart gets a split decision over Deron Wynn. I was pretty heavy on Wynn there, and uh, and he wasn't able to get it done. Macy Barber uh, improves to 8-0 with a uh, knockout of Jillian Robertson. Uh, Joe Lozon gets first-round uh, dominating uh, TKO victory over uh, former East Tennessee fighter Jonathan Pierce. Uh, Greg Hardy with a no contest against Ben Sosoli. I guess they had announced him the winner at one point, but then they went back and called him no contest because he was using his inhaler in the corner. Uh, Yair Rodriguez with a unanimous decision over Jeremy Stevens. And then a first round knockout for Dominic Reyes, who moves to 12-0 with a win over Chris Weidman. Um, 
Greg, anything off this main card uh, of note to you? Uh, since we were up there in Nashville, there's not a whole lot I got to see of it, but just by looking over the whole card, I thought, you know, Joe Lozon had a pretty decent chance. At, yeah, you he went heavy on Lozon. Yeah, I went real heavy on Lozon, and uh, uh, he ended up uh, finishing him in the first round. And so, uh, you know, I was all in glee, happy, and I was like, you know what? If they put my money back in in time, I'm going to take Greg Hardy and Ben Sassoli in the uh, in the first round. Like I think it's going to happen. So uh, I'm sitting there watching my phone uh, subliminally during the fights, and I'm looking over, and, I, and as soon as I see the second round go halfway mark, I just like, mother, you know, I was upset. Then after the event, I walk over there to you, Tim, and I'm like, hey, what happened with the Hardy fight? You know, because everything that I'd won off of uh, Joe Lazon, which was a pretty hefty wager because he was the underdog in that fight by like – 170. Yeah, he, it was bad. And uh, I hit big there, turned around, put it all down there, and I turned around and I said, son of a bitch, they damn went the whole damn fight. So I'm looking over at Tim, like, well, everything I won's gone. Like, I won big, and it's gone. And then after the fights were over, I was sitting there looking at my phone, and I was like, wait, what the f- that, that was a no contest, so I should get my money back, even though Greg Hardy, like, they, you know, they called the decision and everything. So I called my uh, my bookie and uh, told him, hey, if that's a no contest, uh, I should get, you know, I should get my money back. They said, you're right. <laughs> so, they gave my mo- <laughs> so they gave my money back, so I was happy again. So uh, I know that Justin hates Greg Hardy, and uh, I guess I do too now because he he lost that bet and had to do the bet the bit shit. I don't know. I that inhaler thing is something else. You would think that his corner would know better than to let that happen. Honestly, they did. He he had steroids in it. Yeah, he, <laughs> he had performance <laughs> performance enhancers. Justin, your thoughts? Um, Macy Barber looked good. It was a a quick dominant win for her on the feet. Uh, Joe Lozon beat the piss out of JP. Man, it was it wasn't even close from. From the get-go, he was sticking him with jabs and then hit him with a couple crosses, got a body lock, and mounted JP right off the bat. He got like a reverse half Nelson, uh, and he had he had JP's arm, and it looked like JP's arm was about to pop out of the socket, and he was just popping him in the face over and over again. Um, the referee jumped in there and stopped. It was a big win for him. The Greg Hardy thing is it's kind of tricky, man. And like So I guess you know his, the inhaler is, is USADA-approved. Um and I, I don't like Greg Hardy at all, but I kind of feel for him in this situation. I have aerobic asthma, too, and it's cost me in fights before. Um, you know, you get in there and you start having an asthma attack and, you know, you you're, can't catch your breath. You're just hyperventilating. And in the corner, he asked the commission, can I use my inhaler? And the commission said, is it um, medical? And he said, yeah, it's USADA approved. And they said, go ahead. And so he did. And um, then they called it. I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess it can be considered a performance enhancer, but I don't I don't really see the the issue with it um i mean you know you can you can spray it right before you walk in before you step in the cage so i I guess it it should have done that but it did uh it changed his performance overall didn't it 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 did but but because he has has aerobic asthma i mean like you know solely was already at the advantage because he doesn't have that issue so just kind of even the playing field ultimately Mm. um but he caught some he caught some good shots He, he you know, he showed showed that he has a little heart, but he's about to get that ass whooped. You know, he's getting ready to fight Volkov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, I saw that. Yeah, well, stepped, I mean, he stepped in for that fight. That's gonna be uh, <laughs> funny. Well, what's up? What's so? What's so for future reference? If you have an inhaler, like, I mean, like, like you said, like, I mean, because you've been talking some mad shit about Greg Hardy. So as far as for you to say, I feel bad for Greg Hardy. Really, really speaks volumes about the fact that you know, I mean, like, it's it's a real deal, and some people actually have to have it, or they will die. But 
if it's a if it's if it's been USAID like all that medical approved if it's, if it's been approved uh, then why did they uh, do the no contest could they could they not prove what was in the inhaler? Yeah, well, in the corner once once the fight starts in the corner the only thing you're allowed to have is water basically water. and it's it's provided by the state you know so that it's not tampered with you you're opening a fresh bottle of water when you go in the corner you can't have gatorade you can't have anything so yeah. you know it, it could have been there could have been cocaine laced in on the inside of that inhaler i mean they don't there's no way of knowing really i guess um but you know you are allowed to use it in the in the locker room beforehand you know, he didn't fail any drug tests after the fight or anything like that um and you know it's, you're not gonna die from it, but you know I don't know if you've ever had been like. Is I'm it similar air, to, man. Yeah, it's, it's it's similar to getting hit in the sternum and you just can't catch you know getting the wind knocked out of you when you're having an asthma attack and you know you're just sucking as hard as you can and you just cannot get a breath, and then you got somebody coming after you. I mean that's a scary feeling, and there you know there's just not much you can do in that situation and um well, but the, you know it is like what it is. I just when I wrestled in high school, I know that like down in Georgia in the state tournament, we used to have a, like it was like one whole team, the whole fucking team, like it was in the state duels, and we were we were whooping them everywhere, but they were supposed to beat us. And then whenever the guys started winding down and getting tired, to where they couldn't go anymore, guess what? Inhaler break. Like, and and, and I'm sorry, but 14 kids out of 14 kids aren't going to need an inhaler on a wrestling team. So just re- reason I bring this up is uh, for future reference. I mean, should the commission actually hold a commi- uh, an inhaler? Should the referee have an inhaler on tap? Like if they if they know there's a medical emergency at hand, it could could go down like that. Like should that not be something that Greg Hardy should have taken care of beforehand? He knows he's got asthma. Yeah, I guess it's never really come up before. It's never been anything that's oh. ever happened. I think that. Um, a long time ago, somebody else did it a while back, but it was like on the way to the cage, and so it wasn't an issue. So the fight hadn't actually started yet. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it does. There is, you know, the drug in there. Basically, it opens your uh, uh, your airway up, um, and so whether you have asthma or not, it's going to expand your airway to to allow you to take more breath in, more air in. Um, so I guess it would help anyone. Um, but you know, I, I guess the ultimate thing would be to find out, you know, if he actually has aerobic asthma, which is a real thing. I mean, there's a lot of people that have it, um, exercise-induced asthma, aerobic asthma, and you know, but if not, then then he's, you know, kind of cheating, I guess. But if he does, to me, it's almost like it's just even in the playing field. But again, again, you know, I'm kind of biased just because I've been in that situation. You know, I know what it, I know exactly what it feels like, uh, and if I if I could use an inhaler. You know, I think it would have changed the outcome of, of a lot of different things for me in life, but um, you know, it, it wasn't wasn't an option for me. Well, as the great Jesse the Body Ventura said, "Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat." <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna wrap up. Uh, well, uh, real quick, let's. Uh, any, any thoughts on the the co-main event and main event? Co-main event was uh, it was it was a decent scrap, man. Yair landed a nasty body kick, I think, in the second round. He kicked Jeremy in the liver, and I mean it was it was loud, um, and you know he clearly won the first two rounds. Jeremy came back and won the third round, um, but you know they ended up squashing the beef. Uh, it was a pretty good fight, and Dominic Reyes landed a big left hand stepping back. It was kind of like the uh, OSP over Shogun uh, left hook, you know the knock Shogun out back in the day. Um, it's perfectly timed punch. It's a hard punch to land, uh, and it, you know Wadman was rushing in and, and got caught. Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens from here. You know, Ray Reyes wants bones. I don't know if uh, if they're going to give him that fight or not. I, I don't know. You know, I think he's he's pretty clear cut 
number one contender in my eyes I see now. But, um, man, I don't know if uh, if he's ready for that that much of a step up yet. But uh, it was a good, good, impressive fight. I mean, he was loose, calm, and um, he came in there to handle business, and he did it. Absolutely, up there in, uh, in Weidman's backyard for the most part, too. Uh, yep. That will wrap up uh, the uh, UFC on ESPN 6, and that brings us to this weekend's UFC. It's early morning action, so it's going to be uh, in the wee morning hours of Saturday, I guess it would be. 5 a.m. is when this thing starts. Yeah, I think that Ben Askren just posted something on Instagram saying he just made weight. So, yeah, like, so they're, they're weighing in like – They already weighed in now. Okay, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's – it, it is. Pro- I guess they're probably like 12 hours behind us. They're behind us or ahead of us? Or ahead of us, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, this one's going down in Singapore. And I would expect to see more Asian fighters on this card with it being from in Singapore, but there's not many, if any, actually. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of Russians and um, in a lot of international flavor, but there is – oh, uh, there is one. That's uh, – she's Thai, so that is an Asian, yeah. Uh, let's get uh, – let's run down this card real quick. It's going to be an ESPN Plus card, and you got to get up really early to see it. And so I don't know if that's going to be me. Hmm. Uh, we've got uh, Rafael Pessoa taking on Jeff Hughes. Uh, heavyweight Alexandra Albu takes on Loma Luke Boonmi, who is a Thai fighter. It's supposed to be really good uh, movie Thai uh, Luke fighter. Boon-me? Luke Boonmi? Luke, Luke? Luke, Bo- Luke, Luke Boonmi. Luke Boonmi. Luke Boonmi. Uh, Sergey Pavlovich takes on Maurice Green. Enrique Barzola uh, versus Mavzar Evloev, who's undefeated 11-0. Rafael uh, Fiziev takes on Alex White. And then rounding out the prelims, it's Random Marcos versus Ashley Yoder. Uh, Justin, anything on these prelims uh, look uh, worth uh, attacking? Um, it's tough to play these kind of cards, man. You know, like a lot of these guys are, are relatively unknown. Um, the one that I think is, is probably a, a decent bet, I think Ashley Yoder's coming in at a, at a decent underdog against Random Marcos. Uh, one to keep an eye on. Um, I believe, you know, Random Marcos is kind of on the way down, and Ashley Yoder may be able to pick up that dog money. I'm actually on the other side of that, man. I, I think uh, I read something where Random Marcos has never won or lost consecutive fights in UFC. So if she were to lose, it would be consecutive losses. And I think her wrestling may just be a little too much for uh, for for Yoder. So we'll we'll see. Uh, that's that's an interesting one, anyway. Um, and then we'll have oh wow. And uh, the, we'll, we'll move on to the, to the main card here, and uh, it is a five-fight main card. Uh, Muslim Salikov takes on Lariano Staropoli, who is from Argentina. We've got Cyril Gane versus Dantel Mays. They're really high on uh, the Frenchman here, Gane. Uh, he's only 4-0, but, uh, but pretty impressive. Uh, Benil Darouche takes on Frank Camacho. That's certainly a style clash right there. And uh, then the co-main event, a little underwhelming to me, Michael Johnson takes on Stevie Ray. You know, they're both action fighters, but it's not really a huge fight. And then the main event, um, uh, Grappler's uh, uh, Paradise, if you will. Damian Maya takes on um, uh, Greg Hopkins' <laughs> favorite fighter, Ben Askren, who will be uh, having a, a major, uh, you know, obviously coming off a big loss to uh to masvidal but this will be a big uh style differential we'll just say greg anything on this main card look good to you i know the main event does uh yeah well uh like man we were talking about earlier this ben asterday my fight uh, is going to be a totally totally polar opposite of the last fight so look for ben Askren to win that bitch and uh, uh i like michael johnson and stevie ray ah man 
As far as old fight goes, I don't know how impressive this thing is going to be overall. There's a couple of prelims. Uh, the Marcos and Yoder fight should be decent. I'm looking through. Uh, Barzola and how do you pronounce his Evolev? Evolev. That was I, I remember watching him the last time he came about. So that the Barzola and that Evolev should be a decent a decent out. And Maurice Green. I actually like some of the prelims better now. I actually like the the main card. Camacho and uh, Darush fight should be good, but I don't know if I'll uh, be able to spend my whole Saturday morning watching or Friday morning, whatever, when this comes on. I don't know if I'll be able to see it. I will be watching. I'll tune in for the Maya and Askren fight, definitely, though. Yeah, main card probably be starting around 8 or 9, so I may be able to rise myself in time for that main event anyway. <laughs> Justin, day. anything on the main card uh, look look like it's worth getting up for? It. Um, uh, looking looking forward to seeing Star Poli fight, uh, Gain. Uh, Frank Camacho and, and Barnelia Daryush, I think, is going to be a pretty fun fight. Um, you know, Camacho's going to be coming in there looking to brawl. Daryush is more technical, but he will get in a brawl too. And and you know, he doesn't he doesn't always do bad in that situation, so it could be a banger. Weird fight for Michael Johnson, um, back up at lightweight. You know, he, he kind of had a not the greatest run at uh, featherweight, uh, but he needs to pick up a big win here. Um, interesting thing between Damian Maya and Ben Askren. So a combined total of three significant strikes in Ben Askren's <laughs> last two fights and uh, Damian Maya's last two fights. All of those were landed by Damian Maya. So Ben Askren has zero significant strikes landed so far in the UFC, and uh, Damian Maya has landed three in his last two fights. Um, but this could be this could be all, the opposite. You know, I mean, it, it could end up being a stand-up affair to some extent. Um, you know, Damian Maya's jujitsu is, is outstanding, but he's he's kind of like uh, we said about Isaac Fine. You know, he's he's a lot better on top, um, and he, that he's not going to get there with Ben. If they go to the ground, it's, it's going to be because Ben takes him down. Damian's not going to take Ben Askren down, um, and well, Damian's just not the greatest off of his back. So uh, I'm looking for a Ben Askren, pretty pretty clear Ben Askren win on that one. I would think so, but you know, Damian Maya never—he doesn't stand in exchange. He always goes for the the takedown. So, would you expect Ben Askren to maybe try, or is that totally well, out of the question? Damian, like, Damian, over the last few years has has gotten a lot better in the striking department. His striking is definitely better than Ben Askren's, um, and yeah. he cannot take them. There's just he, his takedowns are, you know, very very subpar right um he, he lands them because people aren't expecting him to yeah. i think he kind of just drags you down but he's not going to be able to do that with ben ben can out scramble anybody in the game that's true so as soon as he as soon as he tries to drag ben down I mean, he's just he's gonna end up on his back um or with ben on his back would you say this is a you know i, I know you know i hated seeing I, I really didn't give a shit to be honest i thought it was pretty cool because i bet on the under in the last ben asking fight and he got knocked the fuck out in about four seconds but with that being said, uh, shit, I don't forget what I was going to ask you. Do you think that this, uh, like for the longest time, Ben Askren, in my opinion, was a, a man among boys for a really long time. And uh, they finally brought him in the UFC, passed his prom, and uh, he gets knocked the fuck out. I think that this fight right here might set him apart from that boys to men kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because if he can defeat Damian Maia, you've defeated you know, one of the higher caliber athletes in the UFC, I'd say. Yeah, and yes and no. Damian Maya is is definitely an elite athlete and an elite fighter. Past, uh, but he's past his prime. Yeah, you know. So, if it was Damian Maya ten years ago, um, then it would would be a lot more impressive. Um, 
Well, what about what about ten years ago? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that Ben's out of his prime. Do you know how old he is? I think he's only like thirty-five. Yeah. I mean, you know, for especially for for in, in as far as grappling goes, you're not really hitting your prime until you're in your mid thirties. You know, that's when you get that old man strength and, um, you know, the knowledge is, is just, is your currency there. You know, the more, you know, the better you are. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I don't really hold much on the loss that, that Ben just took, you know, it wasn't, it was, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, shit like that happens, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like he went out there and got dominated or anything like that. I mean, just the very first shot landed and, it is what it is. I mean, Masvidal planned it out perfectly and been fell right into the trap and whatever. You know, if he would have if he would have went to the other side, he would have been fine. If he would have, mm-hmm. you know, went to the right instead of to the left, we wouldn't be talking about it. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think that Ben's still got a, a pretty bright future in the UFC. I, mean, I, I still think he runs through uh, as long as he can get it to the ground. I still think he runs through Kamaru Usman and, and Kobe Covington's. I'd like to see it. I just don't know if he can get it to the ground against them. Their striking is is just a lot better than what he's used to. Yeah, that's true. But he, I mean, dude's got a hell of a chin. Though. He's never been dropped in a fight. I mean, <laughs> he and, and, and he, he's yeah, and he's fought some killers. You know, he's he's fought Korshkovs and and the Limas. So, you know, it's not like he's never been in there with hitters before. He dominated them too. All right. Well, that's going to be uh, going down this Saturday morning in Singapore. We will recap that next week as we get ready to do another uh, picks panel for the All Pro Show. Uh, that'll lead us into our interviews for this week. So uh, let's go ahead and get to the line now and uh, get to talking to Mr. Paul T. Joining us first on the line tonight, we've got the Ninja Turtle, Paul Teague in the house. Paul, what's going on, my man? Uh, nothing, man. Just. Love training, cutting these last few pounds, and having a conniption fit because I really want a candy bar. All this Halloween candy is making me like, uh, wishing I wishing I was a diabetic so I didn't have to have it. <laughs> I hear you, man. Well, hey, you're gonna have lots of Halloween candy uh, the night of the weigh-ins. Of course, the weigh-ins goes down next week for Valor 66. It's an all-pro event going down at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe, Knoxville, Tennessee. Paul comes into this fight undefeated now as a pro, 1-0. and uh, It made his pro debut just a couple months ago. Now you're going to be taking on uh, a little bit of a step up here on this next one. You're going to be taking on a, a pro debuting, Logan Neal. Uh, you know, before we get into uh, that, let's, uh, let's kind of get caught up from the last one, man. Uh, last time we talked to you, you're getting ready to face off with Billy Combs. You got the first round finish there against Billy. Uh, kind of uh, recap that one for us and uh, just kind of walk us through that fight, how it went for you, and uh, then we'll get into the next one. Um, it was how it was. Billy decided to come in every weight, and I told him I had already told he already told me my hands were like pillows, so I gave him a pillow at weigh-ins and told him I was putting him to sleep. And as you've seen from the video, um, he he went to sleep. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, uh, so so uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Billy missed weight, so you're middleweight now. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think we was at middleweight that far. <laughs> so you're probably ranked on topology at middleweight, right? And uh, welterweight. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Sure, I haven't checked like it. That. It could be a possibility. <laughs> so, of course. I don't, pay, uh, I, don't pay, I don't really pay attention to topology because they had my amateur record all buku's backwards. I, I usually go to MMA Underground because they're usually more accurate. Sure, sure. Sure, dog had, sure dog had me 45 as an AME. Um, Tabology had me two and five as an Amy when I was five and five as an Amy. Hmm. 
Oh, you need to. Uh, you can message them, you know, and and give them the, your uh, details of uh, what what you uh, uh, what you're missing, and they'll update that if you, if you care. But now that you're pro, I, I guess. I tried that. It was just. I tried it. It was like just two of the promotions I'd never heard of. Or something hmm. like that. I can't remember exactly uh, what it was. Right on, right on. So uh, let's move on to this one, man. You're actually going the opposite direction for this fight as far as weight goes. Now you'll be going down to 155. That last fight is scheduled to be a welterweight fight. So now. Uh, you'll be going down to one of your, your more comfortable weight class. Uh, as you mentioned, you're not able to have that Halloween candy like you like you're craving so much. So uh, it sounds like you're in the throes of that that final push to make that 155. Like we mentioned, you're fighting Logan Neal. That's a guy who's fought. He's he's ran off four straight amateur wins. He's gotten hot here. Uh, had a had a like a mediocre 500 record coming into uh, about the last oh, say like a year ago, and uh, you know he's coming back on the scene. He's uh, showed some improvement, got uh, some impressive amateur wins. Now he's taking that next step up to the professionals. Uh, talk a little bit about this matchup and uh, some of the things that we can expect uh, in this fight from you and Logan. I respect Logan 100 percent, man. Um, I know we've had a little bit of trash talking, but you know. It's all fun and games, especially with Halloween around the corner. Got to spice it up a little bit. And it's his pro debut. It's my second pro fight. And the way I'm looking at things, I respect Logan 110%. He's like, I respect him so much. He's making me not want to wear a mask out because that's how much I respect him. But shit happens, I'm still wearing a mask out. Anyway. Oh, man. It's Halloween, man. Yeah, no doubt. I was going to say, exactly. there's, there's time for you to I've be able to do this one. I've well, never been able to do it way up. It'd been Halloween. He might not have to wear a mask, right? Because you're always exactly. wearing a mask. My, 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 my mask is 24-7. 24-7. He's going to wear it. I'm, 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 what you, I'm what you call that butterface. If they look good, put my face. <laughs> so man you know you're uh you know like i said you, you got logan neal uh what are some of the things that logan does you think that you need to kind of watch out for uh from what you've seen i know there's plenty of video out there on logan i'm sure you've been able to watch um to be honest um i've only watched one video on him just because i don't really like studying for my opponents because last time i tried to study for my opponent they completely fought three times different sure well, yeah, it helps to to not go in there, I guess, with just a a straight mindset for uh, for one plan of attack, and then if that plan of attack doesn't come, and you you know you don't want to panic. Whatever. Now, so, knows, you know, yeah. maybe a good idea. Now, don't don't get me wrong. If I'm fighting somebody who's like a black belt in BJJ and a black belt in Taekwondo, yeah, I'm gonna watch a little film on them because they're they're gonna even hold me down and hug me, or they're gonna kick the shit out of me. So, uh, <laughs> so the way I'm the way I'm looking at Logan, I'm I'm, I'm taking him like I'm taking him like he's my very first Amy fight. I don't. I don't know what to expect going in. I'm just gonna go in. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna exchange. Exchange. Exchange fists. Try to. Try to break each other's legs. Arms. Choke each other out. Whatever the hell we grab, it's gonna happen. And hey, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk up to him after the fight. Dab him up. Give him a big old hug and tell him good luck on his career. Win or lose. Either way it goes. Very nice. Always like to see that, man. It's a big show. It's a uh, it's an all-pro show, so, uh, you know, there's no amateurs on this one. Your teammate Brian Stonehands Jackson taking on Jason King, who we're going to talk to after we uh, finish up with you. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about this show, uh, some of the fights that you're looking forward to, and if uh, kind of give a little message out there to the fans if they're on the fence about attending this show, uh, why, why it's a must-see. It's a must-see for one because the Ninja Turtles on the card. And nobody, nobody ever gets to see a real life, see a real life Ninja Turtle. Like my mother come out to see the Ninja Turtle. 
and I'm 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 interested in the dirt in the Cody Dirt and Dre Miley fight just because it, it's been put off. Just like I'm interested in the Dirt and CJ Hamilton fight, but nobody but it seemed like nobody can make that fight happen. Yeah, that's been a tough one. I know people have been trying that one a while. <laughs> and I'm the I'll tell you I'm looking forward to Brian Stonehead Jackson and the Asian persuasion because that's when I when when uh, when you when you sent me that matchup for them, I was like that seems like a very good matchup because they both are big old boys and they both will be slinging that leather and they're gonna be having fun doing it because they both like to sling leather. Yeah, that's one of those fights got, that I think it's gonna be really hard for that fight to suck. You know, that's one like no got, matter which way it goes, I think it's gonna be good. And you got the Detroit persuasion fight and Asian persuasion, so mm. never know what happens. You got you got Asia with a or like ninjas, and you got Detroit where they're gangsters. So you know what you'll get for neither one of them. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about some of the guys that have been getting you ready for this thing, man. Obviously, you've got Brian on your team that's uh, on this car, but then you've got a, a gang of amateurs that are getting ready uh, to come back in December. So uh, has it been a pretty good amount of uh, work you guys have been getting in there at the Goon Squad? Oh, yes. Um, I, I, Bradley Brakefield, Brian Thomas Fowler, Shoot! Even even our new one of our new fourteen year old girls that we have fighting, going you know, training now, getting getting ready, getting her ready. Victoria, she's been doing, she's been fantastic. She's been working hard, been dedicated. I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to her probably March April next year. She she's going, she's been she she has one of those go go get it attitudes. Like she punches us as hard as we punch her, and she she likes us punching her like 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 she like she's a man too. She wants to take it too. So we we go out there, and I, I got to give credit. I, I got to give a lot more credit to my coach Brad this time because Brad has been working with me one on one, giving me some one on one time because he because he, he, he I, I live an hour and a half away from my gym, so I don't make my gym as much as I need to. But luckily, Brad only works fifteen minutes, so he hits, he gets me before he go before he goes down to the gym. So I get. A little, I get some one-on-one work with Brad, which is which Brad has been one of. I've had some other coaches in the past, Ross, Billy, and Daryl. Rest in peace, Daryl. I've had all my other co- all my other coaches, by far. All of them together are still helping me. Because I'm what I've learned from them, and I've brought and I've brought to Brad, and then me and Brad, and what, what I've learned from Brad has just made my stand-up game so crazy and my ground game so much better especially because i had david taranzio from crate crate mma come up come up on sunday to give me a really really good match like a really really good training session against somebody who i'm not used to and i hire and he's a higher jujitsu belt too which helps me know how 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 well i feel and grappling with him striking him that made me feel like i'm a high that, that made me feel completely like a whole nother person Due to the fact, because I knew Logan was definitely a step up in competition, and I needed all the, I, I knew I was gonna need the extra, that extra push, that wasn't that wasn't from my team. I needed that extra push. Like X3 invited me to, uh, Joe Elmore invited me to come down to Atlanta to train with X3 to get ready, help me get ready for this fight. But funds and travel, I couldn't make it down there. But they all, the Joe and Nathan and Robert, they always reached their hand out to me and say, "Come on down." Gonna get some rounds in with us. Which next fight? I promise you, I will make it down to X3 because I'm gonna go and tell you, 
my next my next fight. You see, the next card January tenth, my birthday. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to being on that because I will be I will definitely at least sell maybe maybe two tables. I'm looking forward to that night. Very nice, man. Well, I know last time Goon Squad was in Knoxville, you guys showed out. I know it's going to be uh, the mission again here next week to uh, you know to, to leave an impression as you guys always do. Uh, I'm going to let you get some opportunities to give some shout outs for the Duma, man. You know, we got uh, right about a week from now we'll be weighing in. So, uh, you know, give some uh, some love to, to anybody that deserves it. Uh, friends, training partners, sponsors, uh, you know the drill. I want to give a shout out to my my number one sponsor, Nash Auto Sales in Pickens, South Carolina. Come, y'all need a vehicle? Go to Nash. They, they they got the, they got some of the best vehicles in town. And also, if you're looking for a haunted trail to go to, check out Deadwood's Haunted Trail. Spend set, you can spend the night for seventy five dollars and try to survive after you sign that waiver. Oh my! And try to survive. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like and, it. Very good, man. To my whole team, the, uni- the the No Mercy MMA Goon Squad, I want to give us all my whole team a shout out. Without them, I would not be here today. Because a year ago, as you could tell, Tim, after before the Billy fight, I was out for two years without anything. I, I pretty much fell off, and I was just managing my fighters. But all because of the, all the young talent we have coming up, and all the new people we have in the gym, they gave me the motivation that I that they gave me that they gave me my killer instinct back that I lost, which I'm thankful for. I'm so glad I got that killer instinct back. Now I actually get to release it on Logan's face. Hey, man. Looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, you can see the Ninja Turtle in action next week. He says he's going to put it on Logan Neal live on Valor 66 All-Pro Show, the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe, Knoxville, Tennessee. If you can be there live, there's nothing like it. Make sure you get your tickets at fighterticks.com. Select Paul Teague as your fighter if you're coming to support Paul. If you can't be there live, you can catch it on Flow Combat. No matter what, don't miss it. Paul, we will see you next week. We appreciate the time, my man. Oh, thank you. And remember, always eat your vegetables, and I love you. All right, rounding out our interview portion of the night show, we've got the Asian persuasion, Jason King on the line, getting ready to get back in the cage uh, in about one short week. He'll be taking on Stone Hands, Brian Jackson at next week's Valor 66 card, all pro event, live from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. Jason, how's it going tonight? Uh, it's going fabulous. We just finished up uh, one of our last remaining training sessions. Feeling great, feeling ready. Uh, don't have too much weight to cut. Ready to rock and roll. Hey, that's always a good thing. Of course, uh, it's it's pretty much uh, the the end of your hell week, so I'm guessing the uh, the weight is starting to sh- uh, come off. Getting ready for that final cut, man. Uh, you're gonna be taking on uh, Brian Jackson, an undefeated pro. Uh, he won his pro debut last time out. Uh, also a pro boxer. Uh, you know, he, he tends to like to strike. You know, from uh, from what we've seen in the past, and you know, you got an up close and uh, personal look at him as you were cornering his opponent in his pro win. So, uh, how excited were you to get? Uh, uh, an opportunity to kind of avenge your your teammates' loss here uh, when you got the uh, the nod that it was going to be uh, Brian Jackson this time. Uh, I mean, I'm just excited when I get to fight anybody. You know, um, you're, you're right. I did get to uh, I did get to see him up close and personal. Got to see what he had to give. Uh, not to say that that was all he had to give, or you know, he hasn't been working on something else. But um, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm excited and I'm ready and I'm uh, I'm just I enjoy fighting too much to. Sit, sit down and rest for too long. I'm just happy to get back in there and do the thing that I love to do. 
Absolutely, man. And, you know, last time out, you, you switched gears a little bit. You, meet, you made your pro uh, movie tie debut, uh, got a first round knockout fairly quick and, uh, you know, didn't didn't get a whole lot of cage time in that one. Uh, so I'm sure you've been uh, itching to, to get back in there and get a little bit more work. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, know uh, I didn't want to do a Muay Thai fight. You know, I don't, I don't really have any interest in pursuing like a professional kickboxing career, but we couldn't find an MMA opponent, you know, at the time. So. Again, I'm, I'm, I love this sport too much to stay totally uh, on the bench. So I took what I got. Um, but, you know, Deshaun, he, he was a tough opponent. But I just, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm attacking. And, uh, you know, if I, you know, I was somebody was asking me, you know, like, you know, you, about my finishing rate and, you know, what causes me to be able to finish people with my strikes so easily. It's not that I'm necessarily big. You know, I'm a pretty tall, lanky guy. Uh, but my strength comes from my speed and my precision. You know, I know what I'm trying to hit, and I know what I'm, I can hit it fast. And, you know, I caught him in the liver. took about eight seconds, and that was a wrap. Uh, I definitely wish it was longer. I didn't mean to sit him down. But, you know, you get hit in the liver, and uh, you're, not, you're probably not going to get back up too soon. You don't have too many options at that point, do you? No, no, no. <laughs> if uh, you've ever been hit in the liver before, it, it's hard to get up from that. <laughs> so, uh, of course, you know, moving back to MMA, of course, this time your opponent, uh, like we mentioned, you know, he's a he's a pro boxer and has just kind of made this. He had some some amateur MMA, but is, you know, just really kind of diving into the pro MMA uh, portion of his career. Talk a little bit about some of the things that you noticed from uh, cornering your teammate last time that, uh, you know, that you may have to 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 respect, I guess, about uh, Brian coming into this match. Um, you know, he, uh, he did some things right. He did some things wrong. Um, you know, we prepared accordingly for both of those things. Um, one thing I was surprised about was, you know, like Caleb is no slouch. He was an undefeated overshare, undefeated pro at the time of the, the fight. Uh, he's, he's a great opponent. He's a great competitor. Um, and you know, he did not, <coughs> excuse me, he did have some, uh, trouble with, uh, you know, Brian's strength. Yeah. You know, he was pretty strong, you know, dabbing the net, holding tight. I think I thought he finished the fight at the end with the guillotine choke. Um, so, you know, that's the thing we've got to be ready for. I mean, he's going to be strong. He's going to be ready. He's going to be durable. Uh, I went to the third round. So, you know, it was – I've been in this game long enough to where I can appreciate the things that people do well. I can capitalize on the things they don't do well. And I'm not surprised by anything anybody gives me anymore. You know, whether it's you're this – badass wrestler or jiu-jitsu person or, you know, striker, whatever you end up saying that you are, I'm ready for it. And uh, for all the people that say that they're strikers and then I end up fighting them, they turn into wrestlers pretty quick. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, you know, if he wants to throw hands, let's throw hands. If he wants to, if he wants to bang it out, let's bang it out. If he wants to go to the ground, let's go to the ground. I don't really care. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for all comers and all things. So, uh, you know, uh, you've got a lot of teammates on this card. It's an all-pro event. Uh, let's talk about some of, uh, some of the teammates that have been helping you get ready for this one and, uh, you know, some of the other fights to, to watch out for. Your wife is actually on this one. We've got Emily King on the card as well. Uh, so I think this is the first time we have 
have we done this before? I don't, I don't think we have. I think I think James and Christina fought last January, and they were they were, Did, were they both on that card together? Yeah, was Ricker on there? Yeah. On there? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right on. Okay, so it's not the first time. All right, well, too bad. No, the, second, second time, second time. it's not cool. bad. Yeah, second we time. almost had for a moment. Ricker was on this card, and then we would have had like two couples, and I know that would have been uh, the first time. Oh yeah, uh, that would have been the first. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, what are the, obviously this I think will be the first time that you and Emily have competed on the same card. Is it uh, kind of, a, you know, is it kind of one of those things where you know, you're both kind of dialed in the same and it's kind of nice to both to kind of be, you know, dieting and cutting weight together and going through your hell week together? Or is it a stressful thing? Uh, is it, is, you know, where you're you feel like you're spread a little thin? Um, you know, one of the. I mean, I, I, I love and respect and cherish Emily for so many reasons, and you know, I'm married her for so many reasons. But one of the things is we didn't view this – we don't really have fight camps anymore. Um, you know, that implies that you, you know, really, like, crank it up or dial it in. I mean, like, we train all the time together. So, yeah, our diets will change here and there, but the, the grind is constant. So, you know, our, our daily routine didn't change too much. The only difference is – you know, we have specific opponents, so we have specific things that we're working on. But other than that, you know, the, the, the days are very similar, whether we're fighting or one of us is fighting or both of us are fighting. The days are all very similar to one another. You know, we wake up, we, you know, put pedal to the metal, get all of our work done, get all our training done, all of our conditioning done. We eat together, train together. You know, we do all of these things in preparation for fighting, you know, all the time. We don't take time off. So, as far as stress goes, it's, it's pretty minimal. Um, you know, I, when it comes to the actual weight cut, I have, you know, run Emily's diet and uh, nutrition and all that stuff. But when it comes to the water cut, well, that's the time that we will separate. Um, you know, she will cut, she will cut weight, her water weight with, with one of our uh, teammates. And then I'll cut my own weight with another teammate and uh, we'll meet at weigh-ins and we'll, uh, we'll feast after that together <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the uh the, the day before your the wedding you're not supposed to see the bride the day before the wedding it's like don't we can't see each other on uh uh during yeah until at until at our worst exactly before we go to get on the but the scale is like the weigh-in is like the wedding yeah. and then after yeah, that yeah. it's all good yeah once it says uh you know once it says 170 and 110 for yeah it's uh that's like that's the vows being exchanged right there well after that it'll be It'll be great, and after that, you know, hopefully, we've we've not had a time recently that I can remember where we've both not been dieting. So after this fight's over, it'll be nice just to you know take a month off of the dieting aspect of the training and just be able to eat like a normal person out there again. It'll be that'll be nice. And it's a perfect perfect timing for the holidays, man. You're gonna get this one out of the way. You're gonna Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. No fights uh, in that in that little uh, run because we're doing all amateurs in December. So I, I know that's got to be nice. Oh yeah, that's gonna be great. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, just Thanksgiving. I I did one fight night, um, or I did one fight where I had to cut weight during Thanksgiving, and unless it's for a lot of money, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I feel you there, man, for sure. Well, uh, man, I'm, I'm excited for it. Of course, always, always a good time getting to see, uh, getting you throw down, uh, getting to see you throw down in the cage. You always put on a good show, and uh, it's all going down next week, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you get some shout outs where they're due. You know the drill here. Any, any love you want to give, I'll let you have it. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, thank you to God. To God alone goes glory. Um, you know, thank you to 
you know, Valor and the whole crew at Valor for, you know, making this whole possible for not only me, but all my teammates. Thank you to all my teammates, all my coaches, all my sponsors. You know, thank you guys so much for continuing to support me in this, you know, this crazy dream that we all have. Thank you to all the fans, whether you're a fan of me, a fan of my opponent, or whether you're not really a fan of anybody, just like watching people beat each other up. Thank you guys for coming out. You know, you are the lifeblood of the sport. Without you guys, we won't be able to do this. So, you want to see some fist fights and you want to see a bunch of guys and girls, you know, beat the hell out of each other and hug it out at the end, you know, come check it out. And I caught my joke and I'm the first. You heard it here. The Asian persuasion, Jason King, getting ready to go back into the breach. Next week, he takes on undefeated Brian Stonehands Jackson at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. Valor 66, All-Pro. Make sure you're there. You can catch it live on Flow Combat, but if you be live and in person, there's no other way uh, to, to catch it uh, that's better than that. Uh, you get your tickets at fighterticks.com. Make sure you select Jason King as your fighter so you can give him credit if you're coming to see him. Uh, I guarantee you that uh, if you haven't seen Jason King fight, you're in for a treat. He's one of the few guys out there that no matter what happens, uh, you know, you, you always know you're going to get an exciting, uh, entertaining fight out of Jason. So thanks so much for the time, Jason. I'll let you get back to uh, the to cutting that weight, uh, and we'll see you next week, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, guys. Take care. God bless. All right. Thanks so much to our guest tonight. You can see both uh, Paul Teague and Jason King in action next week at Valor 66. And now we'll get to our main course of this meal, and that is the Valor 65 Nashville Recap and reactions. We were joined now by Jeff Hobbs, the voice of Valor in that cage. He is uh, joining us now to, to sit in on our recap section. Billy Swanson not able to make it tonight. He is out repoing cars uh, and, uh, you know, earning earning an honest wage. So, uh, so, yeah, so we'll still go over Billy's picks as we go. Uh, it was uh, a crazy night of fights, man. We ended up losing um, the co-main event the day before. Uh, Anthony Jones uh, ended up pulling out on us at the very last minute. So Ronnie Lawrence, unfortunately, was not able to compete. We'll get to that here in a moment. But uh, we'll go ahead and jump into this card, man. It was a packed house in Nashville. It was a uh, Really hot vibe, uh, good, good electric crowd, and uh, man, the fights didn't disappoint. We had a lot of really good ones. Uh, we opened it up with kickboxing. It was welterweight, and it was uh, it was uh, Dennis Cody Smith from Olson's Martial Arts. He was taking on uh, Blake Keen, who was making his debut in Muay Thai from the UFC gym in Murfreesboro. And uh, the uh, it was very one sided uh, props to Blake Keen for going all the rounds. But uh, uh, Dennis Smith, just, uh, you know, the aggressor, he landed some early shots, I think, that just kind of took the steam out of uh, out of Blake Keen. And, uh, you know, to his credit, Blake kept firing back and every, you know, every so often he'd land one that kind of maybe get him back in it. But overall, it was a wild brawl. Um, Dennis Smith still uh, shows, uh, you know, that he you know, he could probably shore up his game with a little more technicality, but like sheer aggression was on his side he was winging uh winging haymakers got a wide decision i believe it ended up being like 30 26 across the board there was lots of knockdowns and stuff so a pretty wide uh decision 30 25s and 30 26s across the board uh greg your thoughts on uh this fight that opened us up here uh in nashville i think i started out like maybe one and three on the cards you got so that one though i did get this one but uh, yeah, I kind of just went with a guy that we were familiar with here, and uh, let's see. But like you said, uh, that guy, that fight, the whole time was wild. Uh, anybody could have been knocked out at any second the whole time, and uh, we were all just kind of standing on the edge of our feet for the like the first fight of the night, waiting for it to happen. But uh, hats off to both guys, Blake and Dennis Cody, both of them, dude, like hell of a job. 
And of course, uh, you know, Dennis, we'd seen before in uh, in MMA. And so uh, he's uh, spreading his wings a little bit. Uh, that, that MMA fight, he showed off his grappling, was able to show off his striking here. So hopefully we'll get him back in action here soon. Uh, Justin, what was the uh, picks panel on this one? All three of them hit that one for Cody Smith. All right. They come out of the gates with a win. Uh, our next bout, uh, another movie tie fight. And this one was Frank T, Frank Tabonasiri. Uh, 0-1 in tie coming into this one, representing the UFC Jim and Murfreesboro, taking on the debuting Jonathan Guzman out of the Blue Bloods movie tie and kickboxing group up in Kentucky. Uh, really close first round. It was uh, it was Guzman who honestly may have taken that first round. It was really close. Uh, he looked good. Both guys looked good. But Guzman was, was, was trolling along there in the first. And in the second, early in the second, Frank hit uh, Guzman with a, a big shot that that really uh, hurt him. You know, he, he dropped him, and when he he got up and answered the count, but it, I, in his eyes, I saw that that was still shook him. Uh, Frank stayed on him, stayed aggressive on him, and it was able to get another knockdown and then a third knockdown. So we ended up getting the TKO three knockdown rule in the second round. Frank T with a uh, a big win to even up his kickboxing record at one and one. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts. Yeah, Guzman looked great in the first round. I definitely, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I definitely gave Guzman the first round. Um, so when the tables turned in the second round, you know, it was just really one of those moments where it was like, wow, this is a really big turnaround. Um, <clears throat> this is one uh, I've seen kind of social media wise. Uh, Guzman wants to run it back. Uh, I've seen him calling on Facebook for a rematch. Uh, I know it sounds like his uh, coaches want one. Uh, you, you know, it's very rare you. You see guys take uh, bouts like that is uh, well I don't know if that sounds right saying rare to see them take it as seriously that he that they do but you know most most of these guys uh, taking these tie fights um, are MMA fighters and um, you know the, they kind of use these tie matches as as more like training you know uh, just some really hundred percent live sparring uh, so to speak so they kind of just take these and move on so the fact that these guys want to run it back again. Uh, you can tell Guzman and his camper, um, you know, think if uh, they do it again, it might be a different outcome. So uh, I think it's definitely something that would be worth seeing again on another Valor card. But um, both guys look good. Uh, good job for uh, Frankie T, uh, close to his hometown, pulling out a win. Just kind of how to go. Just kind of throw that in there. Um, you know, one of Guzman's reasons might be that that the third knockdown in that second round was was very questionable. It was you know Greg mentioned it on the commentary but it was much more of a slip and you know frankie t kind of landed as he was going down but um, they called it a push yeah this corner was one that called like a push down or yeah something. yeah it didn't i mean i would have been upset if i would have gotten that called as a knockdown on me but um regardless uh that drops billy or billy goes ahead on that one uh going with frankie t greg and hobbs go down for guzman all right, that brings us into our first MMA fight of the night, and uh, it was Taylor Hood getting a first-round submission by Rear Naked Choke over Anthony Rogers. Anthony came in at one and one, so he drops to one and two. That was the debut of Taylor Hood, uh, one of the, uh, the the part owners of National MMA there, and he had a uh, a rowdy crowd with him that was excited to see their man 
uh, get in there and and put on for for his uh, for his city, if you will. Uh, Jeff, you had a lot of, of uh, you know, the dealings, if you will, uh, with Taylor Hood in the lead up to this. And I know he was, you know, super excited about it. Uh, Anthony put up a good fight. I thought that the, in the striking exchanges early, they were close. Uh, but then Hood able to get him to the ground and uh, show off just, uh, you know, the, 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 the better skill on the ground and got that rear naked choke and and got that win. I think it's kind of a, you know, a bucket list kind of thing uh, for him, huh? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, when he reached out, it was just, uh, that was his wish. That was his, uh, that was his goal was just to mark something off his bucket list. Again, he, you know, he's an older guy, uh, in his thirties, uh, late thirties, I believe. And, you know, I had been training back in uh, early 2010, had his, uh, first debut fight booked and it fell through and just, you know, life kind of rolled up on him and never got a chance to, um, you know, mark that off his list, never got a chance to do. And it's kind of just ate away at him for years. And, um, you know, he just kind of felt as coming in as a, as a co-owner of Nashville, Nashville MMA, um, you know, uh, what better way to, uh, build camaraderie with the students there, with the fighters that, that uses gym as their training camp, than to prove to them that, you know, he's willing to get in there and, and, uh, you know, take one to the face like the rest of them do. So, um, you know, I, I asked his wife and she said, no, you know, in our post fight interview, she said, that was it one and done. And, uh, and you know what? I think he's okay with that. Uh, he had an awesome crowd guys. This was a 30 something year old, uh, debuting MMA fighter who sold, I think six tables, uh, several single front row seats. They brought a party bus and, you know, all, uh, 36, 38 people that he had sold tickets to rode it together to the, to the, uh, venue. So, uh, it was a great moment for him. Uh, he got exactly what he wanted out of, um, this opportunity. And I'm glad it worked out for him <laughs> and, uh, you know, hats off for him for getting in there. Clean sleep on that one for all the panelists going for Hood. All right, so everybody back on the win column there. Brings us to our next MMA bout. Uh, Bantamweight action. Joey Torres uh, looking for his first win at a national MMA. Solid grappler uh, taking on Andrew Porritt, who is making his debut out of Dunner's Martial Arts. It was the first time that we've had the pleasure to work with them, and Andrew was uh, was a joy to work with. Uh, very, very professional and uh where he needed to be and all that, but uh, ultimately Joey Torres just uh, too strong on the ground, grappling pedigree too much. Uh, poor it hung around there, man. I mean, he was pretty much in a bad spot the whole fight, but you know, he he, he didn't get, go away until uh, there was only about 28 seconds left in the first round, and he finally submitted to an armbar to uh, Joey Torres. Uh, Justin, you get a chance to check this one out. Yeah, man, uh, Torres impressed me. You know, you guys had said that um, he was a, a dis- deceptive uh, 0-1. Um, you know, and he looked good, man. He looked like he had looked looked like he had been in there, you know, several times before, um, and got a nice arm bar win there. And how do our panelists go? All three for Torres. All right, clean sweep for Torres. Brings us to our next bout, and uh, this was the last fight of that first uh, flight of fights. It was Mitchell Murray taking on Cody Tungit. 
Both of these guys were debuting. Uh, Murray out of the UFC gym in uh, Murfreesboro and Cody Tungit out of Lebanon uh, with Guardian MMA, a teammate of Tyler Edwards who we'll see later. Uh, great fight, man. Uh, Cody Tungit looked really good the first round, very dominant. Uh, Murray uh, just wasn't going to go away. Like Murray's a character. I, I like that kid. He, I like both these guys, actually. They're both really solid. Uh, Cody showed a lot of really good ground skills and, and just couldn't quite put Murray away. Second round, uh, Tungit started to slow down a little bit. Uh, still had some really good positions on Murray, but Murray was essentially was just talking to him and laughing at him the whole time. Like, nope, I'm not going away. You're not going to beat me. He'd punch him in the face. He'd laugh at him. And then he swept him and uh, choked him out <laughs> with a rear naked choke in the second round, late in the second round, uh, on a fight that he was probably losing up until that point. But hey, I'm a fan of both these guys. Tungit, uh, great to work with, a very skilled, very tall, rangy 155. Uh, Murray, actually, I thought was a little undersized for the weight. I think I'd like to see him at 45 next. But, you know, put together, in shape, and headstrong, to say the least. Greg, your thoughts on this one? Oh, man, that was uh, that Cody and Mitchell fought, dude. Mitchell come out there. He looked all fresh and clean, and then Cody Tony come out there, kind of looking a little, um, a little haggard. So I was like, you know what, man, I'm gonna have to go with Tony Tungan on this, on this belt right here. So, but Mitchell Murray, like you just said, there was just I remember one specific moment in that fight where Cody had Mitchell mounted with his head, you know, elevated against the cage, and uh, if Mitchell wasn't being dead legged, he wasn't. He was still trying to move. But at this point, in, like this moment, I, and I probably said it on the on during during the broadcast too, that uh, this is probably the beginning of the end for Mitchell Murray because he is in a very very bad spot with a very very long time left. And it was at that point that Mitchell defied the laws of physics and just basically rolled over and uh, got on top of Cody and ended up winning the fight. And I was just. Uh, uh, I was made a uh, Mitchell Murray fan that night, and I I want to see him at Cotton Eye Joe's real soon. Both Murray of shut them. all the panelists up on that one. All three went for Tungit. Oh, oh, Murray, an interview oh, next time. Yeah, well, Mitchell Murray, an interview. Somebody remind me about that. I'll remind you. All right. I don't want to talk to that dude anyway. I think he'll be fun. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next one, it was uh, Bantamweight action. We started to hit a little run of decisions here. It was Lucas Farrow. Uh, making his debut out of UFC Jim uh, Murfreesboro, taking on uh, JMT, Javante Miles Trowell, who came in at 1-0, but this time it was a majority decision win for Lucas Farrow. Two judges had it for Farrow, uh, 2-1, and then the third judge had a draw because Javante, uh, JMT, will say, was uh, very dominant in the third round, and so they made it to 10-8. So the one judge gave it a draw, which gave us the majority decision, and I'm okay with that, actually, because – you know, Farrow, man, Farrow was pretty beat up afterward. He, he was looking rough, but he, his wrestling was really good in the first two rounds. He started to slow, started to get beat up a little bit there in that third round, but it was just a little uh, too little too late for uh, JMT, uh, who is uninjured, and we'll look to get him right back in action, actually, on this December card. Good showing from both guys, our first decision of the night. Uh, we will go to – let's go to uh, Justin on this one. You're a judge. What did you think about that decision? Uh, it was a good decision, uh- I, I'm not upset with that 10-8 at all. Uh, Trout was pretty dominant in, in that final round there. And like you said, uh, Farrow was pretty beat up. But, um, you know, the first two rounds were, were pretty clear cut. Um, you know, so it was a, a good win for Farrow, but he uh, took an ass whooping getting it. No doubt, man. And uh, both those guys, I like them. They're both put together. And Farrow can make 25. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he goes there next. Where was our uh, panel at on this? Uh, that one, Hobbs went with Trowell, so he's the one that dropped on that one. Greg and Billy both, both went up 
one. I think that puts uh, Hobbs at, let's see, it puts Billy at five and one, Greg at four and two, and Hobbs at uh, three and three, I think. Okay. That brings us on to our next one. Another decision in this one. It was Clay Malone taking on Clint Odom. Lightweights, Clay Malone coming in at two and one. Uh, both guys were two and one, actually. Clint Odom as well. And uh, man, this the, looking at these two guys, you would think they were in two different weight classes. Clay Malone, very tall, rangy, probably six foot tall uh, at uh, 155. Clint, uh, more short and compact, uh, you know, stocky build. Probably I would like to see him at 45, I think, moving forward, just because that size differential alone pretty much was the difference in this fight. Uh, Malone, just a lot longer. It was hard for Odom to get in there. And when he did get in there on the clinch, uh, Malone just did a pretty good job of tying him up. Uh, you know, uh, I think that Odom, uh, it, it, I had it, uh, I had it two to one. I gave Odom one round because there was a round where he started, uh, you know, Flurry. turning it on and yeah. flying and hitting him some, but again, it was kind of just, you know, too little, too late. Uh, he, he kind of figured it out late in the game and, uh, or late in the fight, if you will. And, uh, and Clay Malone takes a unanimous decision, moves to three and one. And he's a guy that is, uh, going to start, maybe uh, we'll start seeing him in some bigger fights here now. And that, uh, what's becoming a pretty, uh, crowded, um, lightweight division. Odom, a, a fun, a fun fighter though. He's a fan favorite and a guy that uh, that I enjoyed seeing. I'd love to have him back as well. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, sitting back and watching it, I, I didn't feel like it was that Odom couldn't get inside. Um, <clears throat> it was that he just wouldn't get inside. Yeah. Uh, he, it, it was just, you know, I wasn't real sure what he was doing. Uh, you know, I, I, it wasn't the coaching because, you know, we were actually positioned right by the blue corner and <clears throat> he just would not pull the trigger. Uh, and it was just, you know, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why he was choosing to stay at range and on the outside of such a long fighter. Um, you know, so that's the biggest thing I took away from it was not necessarily that I didn't think he could get inside. Because had he just, you know, pressured and moved forward, you know, you might have to take one to get in, but he was doing his best work when he would come forward and, and get in, but he just would not walk forward. Um, and, I, you know, ultimately that's just what that, – that was his undoing right there is just deciding to stay at the very end of those jabs and, and long long legs. And, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that when I watch him and I think, you know, they're they're three minute round they're three three minute rounds but they're fighting as if they've got five fives you know um, like they've got all the time in the world and you know hell you don't um, those uh those three threes go by quick and before you know it you've run out of time like you said when he finally started turning it on and finding a little bit of a rhythm and groove and finding okay. his way inside he um you know it was too late it was, it was too late but I I like Clint Odom though I think uh, like you said. Uh, he wasn't in bad shape, but you could tell he's got some to lose. Um, he was a lot more polished than meeting him, uh, in the weeks traveling Nashville and meeting up fighters for tickets. Um, I don't know what my perception of, of him was, but it wasn't what I saw on fight night. You know, he was much more seasoned to put together a kid who's got some skill uh, that I would like to see again. But like you said, maybe at a different weight class or maybe just a little more selective on the opponent, uh, maybe asking those questions about height and, and things like that. Um, you know, so uh, all in all, it was a good fight. wasn't the way I picked it, um, but 
you know, hell, it is what it is. That's a fight game. Getting a little separation in the pack here. Hobbs is falling behind. Greg and Billy hit that one from alone. Hobbs went for Odom. Next bout, it is uh, Bantamweights, and we uh, saw Michael Cribb from National MMA taking on the returning Mr. Kiara West, who uh, we hadn't seen in about five years. You know, this is a guy that's been on the scene, I mean, since I've been on the scene, honestly. This guy was fighting uh, in shows, like, in our very early days. Took a uh, extended hiatus, came back, looked good, but uh, not quite good enough to get the decision. It was a split decision win for Michael Cribb. Very, very close. Uh, you know, Cribb was was just you know a little more accurate, landing uh, landing the the better shots. But Kiara was there the whole fight. He was he was certainly in the fight, and not a bad return for him at all. Good win for Michael Cribb over probably probably his most experienced opponent to date. He moves to three and one. Uh, and uh, Kiara, or he maybe he already was three and one, and now he's four and one. But uh, Kiara West falls to four and eleven, and uh, don't want that for you. This this guy is uh, a deceptive one. Uh, Justin, you're uh, you're a judge. We got another split decision here. What do you think? This is actually the one fight that I missed. I don't know how somehow I, I skipped over that one. Um, so you have to go to somebody else on that one. Okay, Greg, you remember it? Yeah, I saw Michael Cribb. Uh, he's I don't say think that he. I think that Kiara West was probably the more well-rounded fighter. But the fact is, is when you're fighting, you you got to fight. I mean, because Kiara just kept backing up, like like a Jeff Hobbs touched on it earlier. You don't have all the time in the world in these three three-minute fights. See, and that last fight with Clint Odom, the thing I liked about him is how he just had to rush in and he had to finish it. You know, mm. well you go back to this Kiara West fight. He never had too that much. Urgency. He never had it at all the whole fight. And uh, and I won't say that he didn't. He didn't look good during the fight because he did. He looked like a he looked like a professional fighter out there protecting his record. To be honest with you, but uh, Michael anyway, you know Michael Cribb. I, it what it is close as that fight was. I still couldn't see West pulling that victory either way, just because of the fact that he didn't show no ring control. He wasn't that aggressive. He was waiting. He was being a defensive fighter the whole time. Like not, a, I don't know that I saw an aggressive, any aggression out of him at all, but uh, just, just for, uh, I mean, as far as Kiara West though, man, dude, like he's put together. And as far as him being four and 11, I don't, that's one that baffles me too, because I, as seeing as how, and how good and put together and well-rounded he was, you know, and it's, it's fat. it sucks that I'm shading, you know, I'm shading crib over here because Kiara West stood out to me in that fight, even though he lost. But uh, that's a deceptive four and eleven right there. And Michael Cribb climbing that, that was a big win for him too. Because if you're fighting somebody like that, and you're able to keep your composure as an amateur and not just attack them, you know, hats off to you to keep that keep that going. All right, and where do we end up on that one, Justin? Uh, let's see on on that one we got Hobbs and Greg going for Crib. And Billy dropping that one for West. All righty. That brings us on to uh, light heavyweight action. It was Blackie Chan, Travis Gregoire, picking up a submission, rear naked choke in the first round uh, with about 20 seconds to go. It was late in the first round over Chad, the freak Finnerty. These guys had some a little bit of heat leading into this one. And uh, it was Travis Gregoire who uh, got a takedown fairly early, uh, stayed on top, worked uh, from mount over to side control, and then finally got a um, – well, they, they, they're they calling this – was it rear naked choke? I don't – why did I think it was an arm triangle? Maybe – I guess it was rear naked. I think it – I think you did get uh. – it was rear naked. It was rear naked. Okay, I thought, right I thought it was right there in front of me. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. So Travis Gregoire uh, picks up the win. He moves his record up to, well, Tapology says two and four, but I believe he's three and four. Uh, and Chad Finnerty uh, falls to two and four and um, and will be uh, looking to go back to the drawing board here, man. Uh, Travis Gregoire, good win for him. And that kind of elevates him into, uh, you know, that 205 division is is kind of wide open right now. So I, I could see him maybe in a number one contenders type fight uh, next uh, Greg, you uh, you know both these guys. Your thoughts on this one? Well, the one thing that Chad Finnerty had over Travis Gregoire was wrestling, but the one thing that Travis Gregoire had over Chad Finnerty in this fight was the explosiveness in his uh in his midsection right there in his hips. And when he just uh, he caught Chad off guard right there and just kind of exploded and uh, put the hips on him, landed him out, and then just started to tee off. It it was uh it's a one sided fight, and uh, I went with Chad. And uh, I talked to Travis Gregoire at the weigh-ins, you know, and he told me he was actually pretty damn amped up about that because I know that the uh, – I'll go ahead and – spoiler alert, we all picked uh, Chad Finnery there, and uh, we all lost. So Travis said that gave him an extra bit of uh, – Motivation. Um, yeah, for the fight, and he said he wasn't going to lose. And, uh, you know, uh, Chad's going to have to start uh, really implementing his wrestling if he's going to continue his career. He's got he's to, you know, take to what got him here and why he wanted to do this. And uh, he's got to learn how to finish his shots and uh, not to stop in the middle of one on a big old guy like Travis Gregoire. If you're going to fight 205, remember, you're fighting 205. And uh, hats off to Travis Gregoire, man, that uh, he backed up what he said he was going to do. And uh, he came, he saw, he conquered, and he's wanting to move on to the next level. Yeah, like, like Greg said, everybody went for Finity on that one. All right, so we go an interview to, to Blackie Chan, Travis Gregoire, too, what to get him on. All right, that brings us to the amateur main event, and it was Caleb Austin out of Team Wildside taking on Jose Molina, National MMA. Uh, two of the top 135 uh, amateur prospects around, man. It was 5-1 uh, and one with one no contest for Caleb Austin, and he was taking on Molina, who was 5-0. and oh, And, man, Austin just looked really good. Uh, taking nothing away from Molina, he's a stud. He's really good, but and he'd been on the shelf a little bit as well, but... Austin, to me, was the most impressive amateur of the night by far. He, he, to me, really stuck out as a guy that is just that has got it. Uh, he's got that it factor. He is a big, uh, long, aggressive bantamweight, and I see him giving a lot of guys a lot of trouble. He gets a second round rear naked choke about 42 seconds in, and just uh, man, look good everywhere. Just everything very well, and he's he's calling for that rematch with Amun Cosme for that Bantamweight strap, uh, a fight that he lost a very close decision uh, for that title. That's his one loss, and so he's ready to run it back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens, and uh, I think he did. He, he messed his hand up in that fight, so he may, he may be out for a little bit, but uh, yeah, congrats Caleb Austin. To me, that was the most impressive performance of the night by far. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts? It was definitely a statement win for Caleb Austin. Um you know, uh, we did not realize, and I, I, you know, hell, I apologize that I didn't realize. Maybe I should have done more research myself, you know, dealing with uh, Molina. I, I didn't know that he had been on the shelf for that long. He said it had been about two years and two months since his last fight. So, um, you know, not that that's an excuse or anything, but Caleb Austin is on fire right now, you know, and, and maybe that wasn't the fight for Molina to uh, take himself. You know, coming off that long of a layoff, um, because this uh, this kid Austin's hot right now. Like I said, he may have lost that fight to a Moon Cosme, but that was one of those losses where your stock rises. Um, oh yeah, I know he probably doesn't want to hear that um, because he thought he won the fight. But um, 
you know, that's why Caleb Austin was back on a Valor card because of um, how he looked against the Moon Cosme. Um, like I said, statement win from him. Uh, not just a statement win, but how fast he won that fight too. Um, with relative ease, you know, no disrespect, but with relative ease. Uh, I think that's what he wanted. He wanted that statement win against an undefeated prospect. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, Caleb Austin feels like we do and and wants to make Valor um, more of a home to him. Uh, Because I know, you know, the Cosme fight's out there. But even if it's not that one, there's a lot of really fun, good matchups in Valor Forum, and uh, so if you're listening, Caleb Austin, the, uh, uh, for me at least, <laughs> and not that I'm much, the red carpet has been rolled out. When you're ready to oh, yeah. come back, buddy, uh, you know, I sure as hell want to see you fight again. I didn't get this wrong, did I, Hobbs? Did you go with Molina on that one? I did. Okay, so Hobbs drops that one, uh, Greg and Billy both for, for uh, Caleb Austin. All right, that brings us to the pro portion of the card. It was a catchweight bout, 130 pounds. Nathan Lindsay uh, comes in at one and two, taking on Jeremy Rogers, looking for his first pro win in uh, in 10 bouts. And he didn't get it done in this one. He was able to get Lindsay down, which Lindsay doesn't mind because he's an excellent grappler. And uh, just uh, about 30 seconds later, it was a uh, triangle submission. For the neck hunter, Nathan Lindsay, who climbs up to 500 now. He's 2-2, two and two, gets that win. Jeremy Rogers back to the drawing board, and uh, we'll see if he can get it done the next time. Uh, let's go to uh, – well, we'll just go to Justin on this one. Uh, yeah, pretty dominant, uh, you know, quick win for, for Nathan Lindsay. Uh, he got taken down but went straight into into the triangle choke and, um, you know, uh, he tried to, tried to slam him, but – uh, just kind of gave Lindsay an arm, uh, tried to pull an arm bar, and then went right back into the triangle and, and locked it up and uh, got the finish there pretty quick. All three panelists went for Lindsay on that one. That brings us to Hobbs is now five and six, Greg is eight and three, and Billy is eight and three. All right, coming down the home stretch, it is a tie at the top. And our next bout, 150-pound catch weight, pro debuts for both of these gentlemen, Valor debuts for both these gentlemen. So I didn't really know what we were going to get, but uh, it was Seth Sergo uh, that was uh, the, the victor here with a TKO in the first round over Zach Ort. Uh, Sergo moves to 1-0 and now out of the training camp in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. It's Michael Chandler's gym, highly decorated wrestler, and he, he showed that wrestling. Uh, Zach Ort uh, falls to 0-1 now as a pro after a very decorated amateur career. Uh, Ort's tough, man, and, and I enjoyed working with Ort. Ort was very professional. He was on top of everything. He was, uh, he was, he was a pleasure to work with. Love to have both these guys back. Uh, Sergo was able to get the takedown. Once he got him uh, down, Ort showed, you know, some ground uh, skills. I remember I was a little impressed uh, just with how off balance he kept Sergo. And I was like, this might be interesting still going for some leg locks and sweeps and trips. And uh, ultimately, Sergo was able to get to the get to the, the top and uh, Ort uh, turned his back. He gave him his back. He flattened him out. And I think I counted about 25, 26 unanswered strikes. Nothing that was just 
devastating to him, to tell you the truth. But, I mean, he wasn't improving his position. Uh, literally 25-26 unanswered strikes from Sergo. Finally, referee uh, Chris Bond steps in. Or was not happy with the stoppage because he said he wasn't hurt. But, you know, where do you draw the line? How many do we need to get to 30, 35, you know, before they stop it? He just wasn't improving his position. So congrats to Sergo on that win. And uh, looking forward to seeing both of these guys uh, back in action sooner rather than later. Greg? Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of this fight. And, uh, yeah, Zach was fishing, fishing the whole fight, fishing, fishing, fishing. He couldn't catch nothing. There was a couple of times he almost had a knee bar, uh, tried to dig a heel hook in there at some point in time. But, dude, that guy was limber as hell. But Seth Sergo was like pressure, pressure, pressure. As soon as he got him down, it was pressure from the hips all down. And as soon as he was putting that pressure in on it, he was coming with bombs, overhands, el- like everything he had in his in his damn uh, – and like in his attire, he had everything. Like he was firing everything, but the damn kitchen sink at him on the ground. And uh, or it wasn't wasn't letting up on his ground game. He kept fishing, kept finished. But uh, eventually, uh, you know, Seth Sergo looked looked really good. Looked really good at 150. And I I'd like to see him down at 145 taking on. Um, uh, hell, I really don't honestly know who I want to see Seth Sergo fight at a uh, 45 or 55. He's a hossy. He's a hossy. He was 45. A, he was a very 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 stout 150 pounder looking but i think he's got that five pounds of cut and uh but who who could who is it uh 145 that he could line him up against it like who, who what all that on the field of uh there's uh you know there's definitely some interesting options out there i would i would like to see potentially something like uh a him versus like a debuting josh lewis something mm. like that would be really good with a wrestling kind of canceling out potentially oh you see some uh, i don't think that fight even i don't think that fight makes it out of the first round mm. But uh, and 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 or too for that matter. I mean, shit. He stood out head and shoulders above a lot of people in this uh, on this whole card with his with his jujitsu ground game. I mean, I'd like to see one one of those too. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So it was Sergo getting the win there. Who? Uh, what did everybody have there, Justin? Uh, on that one, we got Hobbs and Greg going for Sergo, and Billy dropping one for Ort. All right, that brings us to our feature bout of the night. Uh, two more pro debuts. This was a catch weight at 175 pounds. It was the bad news. Bubba Cruz making a quick turnaround two weeks after, or I guess three weeks after his uh, knockout, uh, Saudi Daisy. And he gets another knockout here. About a little over a minute in, he knocks out Kyle Lee, who is also making his debut. Uh, pleasure to work with both these guys. Well, yet again, both these guys just, you know, very professional, had their shit together. Uh, I really enjoyed working with Kyle Lee, and we'll bring him back. And, of course, Bubba, longtime staple here at Val. And we know he'll be back. Uh, they, they were trading, man. There was there was a flurry in the middle. And I want to say Bubba got caught with one that, that may have stunned him. And that maybe kind of hit the switch. And he started, you know, winging crazy and hit uh, Kyle Lee. He, he looked like he was maybe out on his feet as he started to drop. And he landed another couple. Uh, I know Kyle Lee's fans weren't happy with the stoppage, but it was a good stoppage. Uh, ultimately, he was it was kind of like a flash knockout. I think he was out, uh, you know, for a moment. And Bubba Cruz now has fought less than a, I would say it's safe to say he has fought for less Less than a minute and a half oh, total combined over his last three fights. Just knockout after knockout after knockout. Uh, let's go to uh, Jeff for this one. Uh, yeah, um, <coughs> Bubba did what Bubba does. Uh, that's about all he can say. Um, you know, I, I think you're right. The fans were, were not happy, but you know how just when you're at a fight show and you just remember these almost like snapshots in your head, things that just stand out and you know, your eyes take a Polaroid, a snapshot of just something. And, uh, this was, this fight was that, that for me. And that was, 
um, Kyle Lee's face flat on the mat, you know, not being held up by his arms, but flat up on his mat on, on, on the canvas, but his eyes were kind of looking up. And that was that split second. I took that picture with, you know, with my brain and, you know, there was no doubt he was out, you know, um, it was just that stunned look where my body's laying here, but maybe my eyes are awake. I'm looking around, but I can't get up. Um, and, and he snapped out of it pretty quick, but it was just one of those things that you see somebody's body do that, you know, yeah, you crazy Kyle in that position, you know, you wouldn't be in that position if you weren't out, you know, yeah. Uh, crazy Kyle your, your actually arms would the, have caught you. That's true. The crazy Kyle looked at the yeah. ref afterwards when he got up and he was like, you know, cause th- of course this, let's keep in mind, this is down the home stretch of the card and, uh, we do have alcohol at this event. So it's starting to set in later on in the fights. And, uh, this is when you got the, uh, you know, all parts of the crowd chiming in and you had a lot of people upset and yelling and screaming. He wasn't out. It's too early stoppage. And you had the other crowd side of the crowd screaming. No, that was a good stoppage. Uh, but but like you said, Kyle, Crazy Kyle got up and he actually looked at the ref and said, well, what happened? He said, you got knocked out. And you could see immediately. He's like, no, no, no I didn't even see it coming. Yeah. You know, and like, but the thing is, is Kyle Lee took a very, he, I don't even know if he understands. He took a very, very stiff fight for his pro debut there. He took a very tough oh, fight yeah. and uh, he's not no Absolutely. slouch. And that's nothing to hang your head about as far as, you know, it's not. I mean, Bubba Cruz is a top prospect around the Southeastern uh, hemisphere as as amateur and i don't see him being a slouch as a, as a professional fighter either and i look for him to get better and i look for kyle lee to get better too the whole southeastern hemisphere <laughs> yeah sorry the entire bottom half of the globe <laughs> the bottom half the of bottom the quadrant yeah <laughs> all, all three panels going for cruise on that one all right, Bubba Cruz, big win there. And, man, it's got to keep an eye on. You know, he's got a, you know, obviously a good-looking guy, power in his hands, and apparently he can wrestle some, too. We don't ever see that, really. But Bubba is, uh, you know, a, a very decorated wrestler on top of it. So uh, congrats to Ryan Bubba Cruz on uh, his professional uh, debut win. That brings us to our co-main event. It was originally supposed to be a co-main event of Ronnie Lawrence, Anthony Jones. Anthony Jones, uh, he bailed on us at the last minute, and uh, we ended up scrapping that fight, unfortunately, for Ronnie. And it was an elevated fight from the feature bout to the co-main event. It was um, two guys looking for their first pro win. Very deceiving records here. It was 0-1 Tyler Edwards taking on 0-3 David Lewis. As we said in the preview, this was very much a style clash, a striker versus grappler. Tyler Edwards lighting him up early, but big leg kicks and punches and just, you know, throwing heavy leather, landing. Lewis not able to answer with a whole lot more, but he stayed patient, waited uh, for his moment. Tyler Edwards swung on a big one and missed. And at that point, David Lewis took his back uh, like a backpack, as he is apt to do. And uh, it wasn't long before then that we got the rear naked choke submission about halfway through uh, the first round, about three minutes into the first round. David Lewis gets that uh, first pro win and uh, a rough one for Tyler Edwards, man because he looked good. Uh, he, he really looked really good up until um, he had his back taken. And uh, props to David Lewis. He stayed patient. You know, the game plan had to have been eventually to get it to the ground, however possible. And he capitalized on that one mistake that Tyler Edwards made. And that was uh, the end of the night for NyQuil. Uh, Tyler Edwards, David Lightning Lewis gets the win. Uh, let's go to uh, Greg on this one. 
Uh, one of the most exciting fights that I like, you know, if not not the most exciting fight, I was expecting to look to her for the clash of uh, of styles there with Tyler, you know, the knockout Michael Edwards and and David Lightning Fast Lewis, man. And like, here's the thing, uh, David. <laughs> David, you know, all respect goes to him, but he actually showed how a wrestler can possibly lose a fight and win a fight both in the right. same fight because Tyler Edwards was throwing bombs, he was throwing kicks, and David David as far as the stand-up game, which we know, you know, David went over and told us the game plan was to stay patient, wait wait for him to mess up, and the moment that Tyler threw that like those he was just started throwing his flurries, David lowered his level and shot in hard. And uh, and when he did, Edwards like like kind of like tried to sprawl and hip and empower just try to overpower him and when he did david did what he's supposed to do and took uh tyler edwards weight and david just kind of moved over and let him fall and then he took he took uh, edwards back and then uh and it was an elementary game over from there and uh but the thing that sucks about this fight right here is one guy had to lose and and, and i didn't want to see either guy lose in this fight i wanted to see them both win and uh, like like Tim was saying, both have a deceptive record. One of them's oh had to go, and uh, I'm just surprised that their records are are so upside down with these two guys because both of these guys very well could be two and oh, two and oh, three and oh, something like that. Because uh, the clash of style right there was uh, was uh, was one for the ages, and I wish it would have lasted a little bit longer than it did. But uh, props to David Lewis for sticking to his game plan and getting it done. I don't know if you guys yeah, caught this yeah. or not. Ahead, to Jeff. me, it looked like to me it looked like David Lewis actually got caught, uh, and got clipped, and started to drop, and just kind of grabbed on, um, you know, and and came to as he as he grabbed on to Edwards, uh, but it looked to me like Edwards landed a nice shot, and then David just kind of capitalized on on getting dropped. But man, that that dude's well, it was like uh, a fucking ninja turtle or something. <laughs> it was more so if you really, I, it wasn't that he took his back. I mean, it was the weirdest thing, Edwards rolled into it and oh, gave him his back. Right. I mean, he, he did. He, he flipped he over. Rolled. Right. Yeah, he he tried to flip over and literally he like sat his lap. <laughs> purposely laid on his stomach, you know, put his back on his and rolled right into it, mm-hmm. uh, which was the most frustrating part for, you know, Tyler yeah. Edwards at the end of this fight was it he was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it was nothing that my opponent did to me. Like, I literally just rolled and flipped right into that position uh, to where it probably even surprised David Lewis. Like, what the hell just happened? You just laid down on my chest. Um, It it was the craziest thing in the world to see. That one kind of sealed the deal, gave Greg the win there. Greg, the the only one taking Lewis, Hobbs, and Billy both took uh, Edwards on that one. That's how you win, Billy. I know he's not here, but he'll hear this. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to our main event. This is the one everybody was the excited for, and it wasn't without controversy. It was uh, for the VFC Lightweight Professional Championship. David Ruthless Robbins taking on C4, Charlie Alexander. Uh, there was a little bit of heat coming into this one. Uh, very uh, rough weight cut for David Robbins coming in. He didn't look very good the day before, but uh, hydrated up nicely for the fight. And uh, I don't know that that was a, uh, a factor when it all is said and done. Uh, man, great, really good fight. Very good showing from both guys. Two very different fight plans. Uh, you know, it was... Uh, 
just to kind of you kind of run through it, I suppose here real quick. Uh, you know, the first round was uh, was very very close. It was uh, you know a tit for tat in striking. I thought David was a little more active, landed a few more, but Charlie landed some very solid leg kicks that obviously affected David. Uh, you know, and they were they were the type of leg kicks that you know were kind of spinning him around, buckling him a little bit. So uh, they were they were effective. Uh, Charlie ended up getting a takedown late, not able to do a whole lot with it. Uh, as David worked uh, from the bottom and uh, brought us into round two. Uh, round two was a lot of the same. It was, uh, you know, back and forth striking. David starting to pick up uh, his his landed punches a bit more. Charlie got a couple takedowns. Again, wasn't able to do a whole lot with it. David was able to get a short elbow from his back uh, that cut Charlie open pretty good. Uh, then towards the end of the second round, as David swept like right at the bell and landed a late uh, strike after the bell. Uh, they got some people up in arms. Uh, there was no penalty given for that by the referee. Uh, going into the third round, again, it was just who knows what the what whose fight it is at this point because you just don't know what the judges are are looking for. They're giving credit to the takedowns or they're giving credit to the to the damage and activity of David. So uh, it was to me, I really didn't know where we were going into the third round. Uh, it was a lot more of the same in the third round. This time, uh, Charlie was able to catch a kick and kind of push David down, uh, got uh, got to uh, got on top of him again, but just really couldn't get past the guard, uh, didn't let loose with the activity, I think, uh, that he needed to to impress the judges. And uh, it ended up being a unanimous decision win. 29-28 uh, two times, 30-27 one time. David Robbins, your new Valor uh, lightweight professional champion, uh, moves to 6-0. and And uh, Charlie Alexander, uh, back to the drawing board here. I'm sure he will be back uh, with a vengeance. Uh, he fought well. He fought really well. I think it, it came down to, a, you know, Charlie trying to maybe game plan a little bit in that fight, trying to, to fight a strategic fight. If you've seen Charlie's fights, um, recently, uh, you will note that uh, that's kind of what he does. You know, the first three to three and a half minutes, he will strike and then he will try to uh, seal the deal with a takedown late in the round. But I think in the past, what you've seen was more activity from Charlie on the top when we get guys down. Uh, with David, every time he would try to maybe posture up to throw, David's hips were moving and it was an immediate like, oh shit, uh, you know, I, I need to be careful here because, you know, David's is working a submission or some such. So we, he kind of played it a little safe. It backfired a bit. Uh, there was some controversy about the decision uh, from both sides. I think hopefully that has been squashed as best it can be. Uh, and we're here in a moment. We're actually going to have David is just messaging me and he wants to come in and uh, and kind of relive the fight as well. So we'll talk to him in just a second. But I want to get everyone's take on this one. Uh, again, uh, it was a, a heated, uh, you know, when the decision was read, the, the crowd was heated. Both guys had a lot of people there. You know, it was a, it was a large crowd contingent there to see that particular fight. And, you know, fans are uh, passionate for the guy that they're there to support. Uh, and another one of those things, you know, when Charlie would get those takedowns, the, the crowd would swell, you know, and so those felt important at the moment, you know, because the crowd would pop every time that he would hit one. So uh, things like that factoring in with it being in Charlie's hometown, uh, you know, after the fight, uh, David uh, said on the mic that he thought that he lost. 
uh, after watching it again, and we'll talk to David here in just a moment, uh, after watching it again, uh, he did think that he did enough to win. Uh, he, he, I guess what he had said at the moment was kind of a combination of his corner telling him that he might have lost and then uh, kind of maybe assuming that in Charlie's hometown that those those takedowns were, were going to get him the win. But uh, ultimately, uh, it was unanimous decision win for David Robbins. There's already some talk about a potential rematch down the road. I think that the fans would love to see that. I know I'd love to see it. Uh, let's start here with the uh, the neutral party, actually. Let's go to Justin, who was not there live, was not judging this fight, but is a judge. And uh, he caught all of it on Flow Combat. So he only saw the the produced version of it. Whereas, you know, when you're watching it live, everybody has different angles. You know, you can't see exactly what lands. You know, all the judges are seeing it from different viewpoints. And so, uh, you know, it's a little bit different seeing it only on tape. Uh, your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, I did have a much, much better vantage point than than what I'm used to. Um, you know, the first round was was really close. Uh, like you said, uh, Charlie was landing leg kicks over and over, but David was pressing the action, um, you know, landing more combos, uh, landed some high kicks. Um, so I, I gave the first round to David. Um, Charlie did land the takedown at the end, but just didn't I don't think he landed any punches from the bottom. I mean, from the top. But David David was doing some work from the bottom. Um, second round, you know, David was kind of controlling the, the cage again. Charlie got the takedown about two minutes in, um, and he was on top for the next three minutes. Um, but in those three minutes, I think he landed two, po- two body shots. Um, and, you know, David landed countless elbows, you know, probably landed 10 times more strikes from the bottom than Charlie did on top. Um, and, you know, the takedown is great as long as you can do something with it. But if you're just, if you're, if you're just hugging it out, you know, you're not doing anything from there. Um, so even though David was on the bottom, he was still controlling the fight because anytime Charlie would let go to try to pass or to, to do anything, try to throw some ground and pound, anything like that, David was moving, sitting up for Kimura's, uh, landing elbows, you know, still still doing all the damage. Um, you know, and then, then there was the sweep and, and the late elbow. I heard a lot of complaints about, you know, a lot of people um, saying that they should have taken a point. That's a tough one, man. Um you know, Yanni Israel was, was the referee in that one. And, you know, in the middle of a fight, especially, you know, right at the bell, you let you hit a sweep. The last thing you're listening for is is the bell. You know, you're, you're waiting for the referee to stop the fight and, and separate you. And Yana just kind of stood back and said, oh, okay, guys, that's, that's enough, and waved his hands. But he it, it, it didn't really touch him, you know. And so, I don't know, I, I can't really blame David for that one. I, I think the fault, fault lies with, with Yanni Israel on that. Um, but it didn't didn't affect the fight any. I don't think you know uh, Charlie's already busted open from an elbow that David had landed earlier. Um, so I had it two to two to two to nothing going into the third round for David, um, and then the third round was another really close round, um, and I, I gave that one to Charlie. Yeah, the striking was was really close. Both guys were getting pretty tired. Um, you know Charlie caught a kick and tossed David to the side for a minute. Um, you know, I thought Yona should have should have gotten that one standing back up a little bit quicker. Yep. Uh, kind of just they just kind of stood there for like a minute and a half. It seemed like with with David waiting for Charlie to do something and Charlie waiting for David to get up. Um, but ultimately, I I had the the fight uh, 29-28 for David. Yeah, that's what I was I I was kind of looking at it too. I just got a couple of things to say about it. Like, I mean, okay, let me. I'm gonna. I've been talking about this fight all week. Facebook, Instagram, Flow Combat, 
everybody's asked me about it. They're talking and asking my vantage point from the commentary side of things. And um, I just want to say three things. All right. Don't fight not to lose. Okay. Don't ever fight not to lose because that's how Charlie Xander was fighting. He wasn't fighting to win. He was fighting not to lose that fight. Whereas David, this is the second thing, David was fighting to clearly win that fight. Now, Charlie kept it super close. I gave I gave the first round to David. I gave the second round to David. The third round I gave to Charlie. The only problem with the fight, and this is when all the and this is what really sucks because the whole thing was really foreshadowed. Like not not foreshadowed, but it was like overshadowed by the fact of the uh, of the the late elbow. And this is when the Nashville fans started. You know, they're like we said, they're very passionate about Charlie and their and their fighters at Nashville MMA. So. They're gonna they're gonna voice their opinions and they voiced them loudly. You can hear it during commentary. And uh, the last thing, but not least, that I want to say is a five round rematch. I think that de- definitely would be interesting to see those last two rounds uh, in a in a championship fight. The drama would be uh, awesome. Jeff, your thoughts? Well, first I'll say I, I think it's completely unfair to say that he was fighting to not lose. I, I think that's crazy. Um, it, to say that Charlie Alexander wasn't fighting, I, I think maybe his strategy was wrong. With to say that he was fighting to not lose uh, is is a little little out there. Um, but that leads me into my next point: is is at the end of the day, and I, I really don't want to talk about this fight anymore. Um, and I haven't talked about it a lot um, because to me, it's stupid. It really is. At the end of the day. <laughs> It is. It's fucking stupid to talk about fights after they're over because nothing's going to change about them. Um, and and uh, the fact of the matter is, is, is you can teach judges all day how to score a fight. You know, uh, this is what you look for. You look for this. You look for that. Uh, this is how you judge who won or, or lost a fight. And it's bullshit because at the end of the day, you decide who wins a fight just based on your opinion, what you're looking for, you know, um, no one, no one in a judge's corner. And I, I I don't mean to speak for Justin, but I judge a lot too. I'm not tallying up punches. I don't have compu box numbers in front of me. You're watching a fight and you go with your gut feeling on who you think won that round. Uh, sometimes it's really evident and and easy sometimes you just got to go on your opinion and your eyes and and what and what your gut tells you who won the fight it's nothing more than an an opinion and you know the unfortunate thing for me was and and we talked about this tim a lot maybe just that first day and that that night is the thing that sucks is a really really good fight um is being overlooked by a bunch of opinions and a lot of times it's opinions of people that don't know what the hell they're talking about True. or they're seeing it through, you know, uh, you know, biased eyes. Um, or they're not Tim, watching the fight at all. They're not, some of them aren't even watching me the and fight. Tim, oh yeah. They're just going off on what they heard from somebody else and just repeating what they heard. But I mean, me and Tim were sitting next to each other, watching this fight together. 
and we had differing opinions. We were sitting shoulder to shoulder for looking at the same angle and we didn't see the same fight at times in, in the round. Tim would make a comment and I would look at him like, really? And I would make a comment. He'd look at me like, really? You know, we're seeing different fights because we're looking at it through different eyes. It didn't mean that I turned around and went, Tim, you're fucking crazy. You lost your mind. <laughs> you didn't look at me and say, Jeff, I thought you weren't drinking tonight. Apparently you're wrong. We don't say that to each other. We just let each other have, we understand that's your opinion. You know, you, something weighs heavily to you that it doesn't to me. Um, and we just let it go. And I wish everybody else would and just say, you know, the right answer was what the judges gave us because that was their answer and we can't change their damn answer. Um, and it just, it, it is what it is. And, you know, you've got people, you know, I read somebody online the other day and, you know, I don't know. I just read, I read all these things and I tried not to read them. And, you know, I joked with Tim. He asked me, did you read this? And I was like, no, I stayed off Facebook until Monday. I didn't want to read this shit because it was pissing me off. Um, you know, everybody says something different and they think that it's the gospel just because that's what they think. And, you know, you would tell somebody, you know, you'd see one person arguing till they're blue in the face about Charlie's takedowns. And, you know, but if you don't do anything with them and you're not aggressive once you take them down, then what good's the takedown? And then you'd see the next person talk about uh, David kept fishing for submissions. Well, what the hell does that mean, fishing for submissions? Just because you're looking for something, I'm supposed to give you credit because you're trying to find something and you're looking for it? If that's the case, then a jab is fishing for a knockout. Sure, you know, sure. fucking swinging, dead swinging, dead swinging in the air is fishing for a knockout. Sure. Unless you've got something and you're trying to crank it, then it's not. Uh, fuck, I go fishing all the time and I don't catch a fucking thing. There's nothing on my hook, but I don't get fucking credit because I keep casting my line out. I don't there. eat like that. It's horse, you know, it's horse shit. I think know, you kind of said it, and, though. I mean, if, if Charlie would have been going for submissions, it would have nullified the fact that David was doing it. If Charlie would have been throwing strikes, it, it would have nullified yeah. the fact that David was doing it. Because so, it would have been act, it would have been activity. You know, right. it would have been activity from the top position. And I think that would have weighed differently. And, you right. know, and I hear I think that's what say, people were um, saying when they were talking about that for from – for David fishing for submissions is the fact that he's trying to do something. Well, yeah. Yeah. And again, though, but, but it's it, to me then say he was more active. Don't tell me he's fishing for submissions or he's looking for submissions. Well, fucking course he's looking for submissions. And when they were standing up, he was looking for a knockout. You know, they both were. Yeah. Um, so, so just say he's more active, you know, and then the next person will say, um, well, David was doing more damage in the standup. Well, why is damage to one part of the body weighed more than damage to another part of the body? You know, why? Just because it's a different body part, you know, um, a, a kick to the calf where a guy can't, um, you know, barely walk out of the cage. Why is that damage not weighed as much just because it's to the calf, you know? So, you know, things like that are just silly to me. And, and, you know, I read someone today, uh, you can't win a fight off of takedown. And it came from a guy that I just got done watching win a fight off of takedowns. Yeah, true, like, true, true. You know, uh, you know, I'm like, uh, wait a second. I could have swore I just watched you win a damn fight with the same strategy. You know, I, again, it, those are the things that make me not want to talk about it and pisses me off. Because to me, whether I'm watching the UFC or, or watching a fight live, once it's over, it's over. You know, we're spinning our wheels talking about it. And I talked to Charlie a lot on Monday um, after some decompression time. And, you know, I think it's fair and I don't think he would be upset with me, you know, relaying 
uh, you know, some of the things he said to me and the one that stood out was, you know, he's just said, you know, maybe I should have been more active from this, but I thought this, you know, yeah. so he wasn't that he was trying not to lose a fight. Um, he just realizes that, you know, maybe his strategy wasn't as, you know, sexy to the judges. Um, he's and that's a whole other is. issue. I mean, you I'll know, give hats and, off and to I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, here's the thing. And I told, and I told, you know, me and Tim talked about it. People don't realize how much we saw from this fight. And even with Charlie losing, you know, I know it's a shitty compliment to say how much someone's stock rose, but look, everybody expected David Robbins to go in there and walk through Charlie Alexander. I, I you can't tell me you didn't. Um, because I mean, I heard people's picks. I heard the predictions. Um, people thought Charlie would have a brain fart like he did in the Jordan weeks fight. Um, I'm sure a lot of people thought David, you know, and Charlie took David in the waters he hasn't been in before. Um, It was a good fight for both of these guys. They both showed so much. Um, David showed I can win a fight in the later rounds. David showed, hey, once you get me on my back, you know, I can, you know, I can, I can withstand, you know, that kind of pressure. A lot was shown from both guys and it was a great fight and i just wish you know after a fight was over you could just leave it the hell alone and and it is what it is you know the other aspect of this fight is judging mma judging um you know it's never going to be perfect i wish what comes out of this is the fact of the matter is everybody's nitpicking judges well where's he from where does he live where does he live well he does all of valor's fights well he's got you know Damn it, then get off your asses, ex-fighters, fighters that are coming to the end of their career and not fighting anymore. That group from the uh, the early uh, 2010s that we all used to watch that aren't fighting anymore, get your asses out there and get involved. Start, you know, start judging amateur bouts and, and get your, uh, you know, uh, get your professional license and start getting involved. If you don't like what you're seeing, change the culture. Um, mm-hmm. Get in there. Um, Greg touched on it himself too with refereeing the same thing. Some of you damn fighters that were in there, I'm telling you right now, Jonathan Ivy is one of my favorite referees in the world to watch. And it has absolutely nothing to do with his character that he portrays when he fights or his 150 MMA. It's cause man, he was an ex fighter. He's a beautiful referee to watch because he lets fighters fight. He lets them, um, you know, he, Let's them stay in there and work their way out of stuff. He is decisive. He is loud. Like Justin talked earlier about, you know, the, the elbow, the elbow happened because we didn't have, and that was one of the things that Charlie talked about when I talked about him too, was his frustration with the referee, um, you know, not being decisive when he talked to him after that round, after the elbow going back to the corner. Um, you know, I think we need to do better as as a state, as a, as a sport and athletic commission on trying to get some of these former fighters, you know, more interested in in refereeing and judging, being more of part, you know, of, uh, of this. And, and maybe as promotions, we need to step out there and it might cost a little more money, but, you know, the UFC brings in judges from other states to, to come down and, you know, maybe – it's time and I'm not, obviously I can't, it's bad for me to spend someone else's money, but you know, <laughs> maybe when promotions want to, you know, take that next step and go, you know what, we're going to eliminate this, uh, this black market people like to put on us. Um, and we'll bring in a judge or two from another state 
that, you know, has nothing to do. If they can get licensed here, uh, you know, maybe these are things that in the future as we grow uh, can happen. But ultimately, you know, uh, I'm just pissed off that a really good fight um, between two really good fighters and, and guys has been overshadowed by a bunch of uh, manufactured controversy and uh, and opinions and and what we call the you know the the armchair Monday morning quarterbacks, um, you know, instead of just letting the fight the fight speak for itself and and move on. And I guess that's if I can just, I got to say about it. If I could touch on what you were saying about you know getting ex fighters in to be refs and judges more. One one of the big reasons that you don't see that happening is because there is no glory in it. It's you either did your job or you fucking suck. You know, it's not it's not what they're used to. You know, as a fighter, you go in there and, you know, you work hard and you get either rewarded or, you know, try again next time. But as a judge or as, as a referee, it's either, uh, you know, that's what you were supposed to do or fuck you. Everything's your fault. And, you know, and it's not, it's, you know, you ain't getting rich off of it. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing like that. It's something that, that you do because you enjoy it. And, um, you know, I love, I love doing it, you know, every chance that I get. But I believe that that's, that's a big reason that, that you see guys, you know, stop fighting and not go, go into it. They would rather just give you their opinion because ultimately their opinion doesn't matter. But if they, if they go sit in that chair, it does. And they get criticized for it. And, um, you know, most people just aren't, aren't willing to, to put their name out there like that, I think, but it, I think that they should. I mean, I 100% agree with you. You know, it's wild to think that you've got people judging who have never competed in, in any kind of combat sport in their life or never trained any type of combat sport in their life, and then they're in there judging a professional mixed martial arts bout. Um, but it happens because the guys who, who have done it aren't lining up at the door, you know, trying to get licensed. Right. I mean, I agree with you. I, you know, I just think sometimes, uh, you know, hell, you know, a lot of these guys and, and if anything, if, if there's a question about a judge, I, I know some former fighters that wouldn't mind just turning around and they'll turn around and tell somebody right to the face. This is why I judged it like this. Yeah. And they're not running from, from the event going, please God, don't anybody talk to me. Uh, you know, at least they're probably going to stand there and, and back up their decision and, 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 tell you exactly why they did that uh yeah i, mean, I just maybe it's think it's a lot easier not to and so they don't yeah oh absolutely you know, i agree with i don't you. think that i don't think that they're scared to tell anybody what their opinion is but you know it's it's not a great feeling you know like i don't as a judge it's not as often the case but you know especially like as as a referee and i guess for judges sometimes too but you know if a guy goes home with half of his half his money only goes home with half of his paycheck and that's your fault because you messed up i mean that that's not something you, you're going to think about that if you go back and look at a fight and you judged it incorrectly and you caused somebody to to fall down the ladder in the ranks or you know only only leave with half their money that's not something that you just forget about you know i wouldn't um and and as a referee you know you jump in and stop a fight when a guy's clearly still still fighting you know you, you just you just affected somebody's life ultimately and you know it's i don't know i just think that people aren't people aren't rushing to 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 get in that position to where uh you know they're responsible for that ultimately let me go ahead and put the disclaimer out here. I just talked a long time about this, and um, last week I chased a high school referee to his car 
So, <laughs> <laughs> I've had a bad call that cost us the fucking game. So, uh, I'm a complete hypocrite when it comes to that because I chased this dude. <laughs> he didn't even grab his stuff. The whole referee threw <laughs> from the fucking 50 yard line to their cars and took out. So uh, I'm an asshole. All right. On the line now, we have got your new. Valor, professional, lightweight champion, undefeated now at 6-0, David Ruthless Robbins. David, how's it going, bro? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How are you guys? We're doing good, man. We're just finishing up uh, recapping this Valor Nashville card. It was uh, quite an event, as I'm sure you will uh, testify to. Of course, we just kind of broke down your fight. Uh, our panelists did here, uh, myself, uh, Justin, Greg, and Jeff Hobbs. Uh, so we wanted to kind of get your take on it, man. It was, uh, you know, at, at that night it was a it was a heated fight. The the crowd was was heated, and when it was, uh, you know, when the decision was read, it was, half the crowd was uh, ecstatic. Half the crowd was uh, furious, you know, and so let's just kind of uh, relive the fight from uh, from your eyes, man. Uh, starting with the day before, you had a, you had a rough weight cut on this one. Yeah, so um, I you know I switched up the way that I do my weight cut. Um, I know I had Mark Laws helping me this time. Um, he wanted me to, you know, I kind of spread my cut out over over like you know three, four, five days. Um, he wanted me to save a bulk of the weight and to be dehydrated as little as possible. And I'm not used to cutting so strenuously. Um, so, I mean, Tim, you saw me, man, I'm not even going to lie, dude. I let everybody know I was crying in the bathroom. <laughs> 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 that shit sucked. <laughs> but you know what? I went down there. Uh, hey, Greg, shout out to you too, man. I appreciate you sitting there with me. He, Greg sure. wiped my nose off while I was crying. <laughs> 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 but, uh, um, you know, when I walked down the stairs the first time, just to check my weight on the scale, um, like kind of before the official weigh-ins and it was at 157, uh, Charlie was there. He was like, no deals, no deals. And that kind of like, that kind of like fired me up, you know, like I said, you know, you know, fuck, I'm about to walk up. I'm about to make this fucking weight now, you know, like I'm, I'm going to make weight. We don't need a deal. That's my belt. You know, I got fired up for it. So, uh, I went upstairs realized what I got fired up for yeah I wasn't but uh Greg fired up the hair dryer for me in the shower you guys locked me in the bathroom I'm covered in plastics but honestly like uh you know it helped me get a little bit of weight out blowing my nose that much so I uh crying uh, him. We, it did. We, exactly. And and Greg is sitting there and he's like, Man, you know, every tear uh <laughs> every tear helps. So just keep on crying, Dave. <laughs> but uh no, you know, I I I went downstairs, um, and I come back the second time dressed like a gangster, all blacked out, shades on, sweats on, and uh, I walked in because I knew what was up. Uh stepped on a scale. Uh, I think it was, no, it wasn't Hobbs. It was a state guy. I read it, 154.8, and I'm pretty sure half the room clapped for me. Uh, at least I, I heard it in my head. I might have right. heard it a little. <laughs> I was happy, though. Uh, for the fight, you know, we come out. Uh, I rehydrated really well, by the way. I went to Cracker Barrel and Red Lobster. Shout out those places. I ate $115 worth of Red Lobster and puked it up in the parking lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mark left that part out. He didn't tell me about that part. The next day, I weighed 182 pounds, and I felt like a million bucks, dude. And I looked like it too. 
Uh, shout out to Teresa at the chop shop for making my hair look fresh. But um, uh, hey, you're missing one big fight. shout out, David O'Dan, man. Dan, oh my God, dude, Dan Tarver is the man. Listen, Dan is my buddy. He has been my friend, my very first friend in Cleveland. People don't realize that he's a purple belt in jujitsu, and he, you know, he's a little bit overweight. That's just because he got married and his wife made him, you know, gain weight because that happens. But, uh, uh, man, Dan has stuck by me, and you know, I couldn't have done that weight cut without him. He did everything I needed, including driving back to Cleveland twice from Nashville. Yeah. So. Shout out, so that, Dan. Now, so, uh, so you rehydrated up. You're going into fight night now. You guys are the main event. It's a packed house. It's an electric atmosphere. Uh, you know, you uh, you made that walk to the cage first. Your opponent, Charlie, had well, I got to give him credit. He had a pretty original walkout. You know, oh, we had Michael dope. Myers yeah, in the house. This big old dude comes out dressed as Michael Myers, and it was, uh, you know. I don't get goosebumps very often uh-huh. at, at, uh, at, at anything, honestly, but I, I was honestly, uh, I got the goose flesh there. And at that point I was like, man, it's about to fucking go down. Uh, walk us on through it. Well, first of all, I don't know who the hell has, who gave Charlie the inside scoop, but I'm scared shitless of horror movies. <laughs> so that was a really good strategy to have Mike Myers walk out first because I do not like horror at all. But I was locked in a cage, and my mind's on one thing, and that is violence. So that was – honestly, I got a little bit excited. I blew Myers a kiss. <laughs> is that why he pointed the knife at you? Uh, that was when he pointed at me, yes. But uh, <laughs> it was cool. How about my F the police walkout? How about That's that? what I was going to bring up. I like that. Y'all both had some <laughs> hell of walkouts, man. Dude, no, nah, yeah, for sure, dude. Charlie's walkout was dope. Uh, you know, I think we both put on a fantastic show, uh, great matchmaking going on to that show. There were some really good fights that night. Um, uh, the crowd was electric. I'm glad I brought a lot of Cleveland people with me because the Nashville people really would have like booed me out of there. I would have been like beat to death if I didn't have my crew with me. So that was good. Um, going into the fight, Charlie, he, that low calf kick that I kind of like didn't put too much thought into in training that hurt he kicks really hard yeah it felt like he took a sledgehammer and pounded it into my calf but uh, what people are forgetting was that I switched stances yes and I did have to you know have some assistance getting out of the cage but that's also because I used that same left leg as a battering ram and just swung it at him over and over and over again recklessly you know um I kind of felt like I controlled the distance. Um, I was catching him. You know, I'm always a slow starter, but I, my momentum picks up. And, you know, mentally, I realized that three rounds is, was not too bad. I can fight five five-minute rounds. Yeah. And so I learned so much from this fight, and I'm very thankful that it went the way it did. Um, there was some controversy, but honestly, once you watch the flow combat version and you see it with emotions not being involved and no alcohol being involved, um, I think it's pretty clear cut on who the winner is in that fight. You know, I, we were talking about it when we were breaking it down here, you know, uh, I think that the, you know, myself, uh, Justin and Greg kind of on the same page, uh, that, you know, 
Charlie has used this strategy in the past to success. Uh, if, right. if you go back to like the Keith Olsen fight uh, and more, uh, even the Jordan Weeks fight, you know, he will stand for the first uh, three to three and a half minutes. Uh, try try to get as far ahead as he can there, but then, you know, kind of put the stamp on it with a takedown late. And that's what he was doing with you as well. But I think the main difference being is that up until now, uh, or in that fight, if you will, uh, he didn't have anyone underneath him that he couldn't just unleash ground and pound on to kind of, you know, run those points up and, and get favoritism with from the judges and take advantage of that takedown. Uh, whereas with you, every time that he would he would try to, to posture up and do something like that, you know, your hips got uh, squirmy. You started uh, working for submission. So, uh, you know, even though you never caught him in a submission, the threat of said submission neutralized essentially his offense from the top. Exactly. And that was my strategy going into it. You know, you can't recklessly ground and pound me if I've got a Kimura grip on your arm, you know, and that was the thing. Like, <clears throat> you don't I think people get it. People get confused a lot of times and they think just because the guy on is on top that he has control. And that's not the case at all. You can be on the bottom and control the guy that's on top of you if you know how to work the guard. And but that is very intricate jujitsu. And that I, that's exactly what I did. I kept his hands tied up. I think I got hit how many times, Tim? On top? I think four. I would say four. That's really low to be on top of me for like ten minutes or whatever. Right. Seven minutes, you know. Um, I mean, I was landing elbows on the bottom. Um, I was key, if it was if I wasn't elbowing him, then I was transitioning for a submission, or I would try to sweep. I would use my feet like I use my feet like hooks, which I guess is out of the bag now. You guys have seen that. Um, or I mean, I use my feet like hands, I'm sorry. And I can squirm my feet inside. I can step over a lot. I use them to make space. I know just when to make space and just when to pull them back in, you know? Um, and I felt, you know, I felt really good. Um, I thought, and I want to clear this up too, because in the microphone afterwards, I said that I thought he won the fight. Um, that was immediately you know, coming out of a fight. I just fought, you know, 15 minutes for the first time. I was out of breath and my words didn't really, um, they didn't come out right. What I was saying was I thought he won the fight because we were in Nashville, you know, and it was the hometown guy and he spent the time on top. I knew that I was active on the bottom. You know, I knew that I was, I was, I had no problem on the feet whatsoever. Like other, once I made the adjustment for that kick, I felt like it was my fight on the feet completely. However, you know, I fought Ben Bennett one time, and it, the fight was kind of the same way, and I lost because of that. Uh, ben was a little bit more active on top, um, but, you know, uh, I know sometimes we get judges that just see top control, and they don't really, sure. they don't understand the jiu-jitsu, but um, these judges were from Nashville also, so I thought for sure, like, Nashville guy, Nashville judge, I got to have a finish, and I was a bit disappointed in myself because... You know, I really wanted to come out there, and I really, really uh, wanted to uh, get a knockout or, you know, a submission, just a finish. You know, I've, I've been known as a finisher, and I know moving into the big show, that's what they want to see. They want to see finishes, and uh, I believe if that fight had been five rounds, I would have had a finish. So, uh, man, moving on, uh, you know, obviously you're going to heal up a little bit. Uh, I believe you're probably done for the rest of this year. Uh, looking to get back into action in January. Uh, you know, we've got a big all pro show next week. Co-main event may have uh, a little bit of interest to you. I would imagine. Is the co-main Keith Olsen and Steven new? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. I'm going to watch that fight. Um, either guy is cool with me. You know, I think I finished, uh, either one of them. Um, you know, I, one of them I believe is, is, um, you know, can, can I just say it? Yeah, you say what you want. All right, cool. So I know one of them asked to fight me, uh, for super cheap and that was Keith Olsen. So it had, does Keith Olsen, if Keith Olsen happens to win that fight, uh, we're going to line that one up and we're going to run that because <laughs> that's, that's going to be, you're going to see why they call me ruthless again. That's going to be a savage first round finish for sure. Um, Steven new presents his challenges as well. However, um, that's a, again, another fight. What was it? Maybe my second fight. I was asking to fight him uh-huh. and they didn't want to fight me, man. Uh, I know he's been training, he's been busting it. And he's going to be uh, definitely a tough challenge for me, but it's nothing I can't overcome and get done. And uh, I'm going to start the year off seven and zero, six finishes. Well, man, we uh, we 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 loved uh, seeing you in action, man, and uh, looking forward to, to seeing you back in there defending that strap at the first of the year. Uh, congrats on six and zero, man. Con- congrats on that first professional title. And uh, man, we're we're super excited to uh, to see what comes next. And we'll see you next week at uh at uh, at the All Pro Show, man. We'll uh we'll we'll take in some action here, see what uh, if anybody kind of rises up uh, as that next uh, that next challenge, man. Before I let you go and uh, let you give some shout outs where they're due, any uh you know sponsors training partners any love you want to give i'll let you have it yeah most certainly hey i do have one question before i do that yeah uh what was hobbs opinion hobbs uh never really argued the decision when he was on here he did say that uh you know watching the fight live uh you know not on flow he thought that charlie had done enough with the takedowns but uh but ultimately watching it back i think he saw the the lack of activity is probably what did him in uh we had a little bit of uh debate back and forth as to whether or not your submission attempts although failed should really count as that much offense for you um uh, because ultimately you didn't catch the submission and he he kind of likened it to like well if you're fishing for a knockout and you land a jab is that you know is that the is that the same thing right you're still right so that's kind of so i get that argument to a degree however i think the strikes from the bottom from you still kind of compensated for that even if you don't really give too much credit as far as offense goes uh for your submission attempts well, here's the difference between the knockout and the jab and the thing. And then I'm going to end it on this. My, me attacking that submission was enough to make him not progress any forward, have to stop what he was doing, and have to defend what I was doing. Because had he continued to try to open up in advance, I would have caught that submission. And that is exactly why he didn't open up. That was defense. That was not. That was, that was my whole argument with him. Yep. Who said that, Greg? Justin, man, the slick, slick with the jujitsu. I like that. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. But uh, no, man, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I appreciate all you guys, everybody at uh, everybody at Valor, uh, Tim, Justin, Jeff Hobbs, still love you. Greg, thank you. Mark Laws, big thank you to you and Dan uh, for helping with the with the weight cut. Um, big thanks to Eric Turner, uh, the man for getting uh, keeping the show going. Uh, let me see here. Shout out to everybody at AKB uh, Cleveland, all my training partners, you know, I'm doing really Joseph, uh, Dan McCartney, he helped me tremendously in the last couple of weeks. Uh, thank you guys. I want to thank my main training partner, my heavy bag, made by ProLab. Uh, 
I depend on that thing every damn day. Uh, <laughs> I think my sisters, <laughs> Oldham Strong, Glossé Cryotherapy down in Chattanooga. They got me feeling fresh. I'm already back training again. Um, who else we got here? Shit. Uh, Willie Spurgeon from Spurgeon Signs, BW Sign Masters. Uh, everybody, all the American Killer Bees, everybody from every school reached out to me. That was awesome, man. Big thanks to Israel, uh, Gomez, and um, my family. I want to thank my dad tremendously for uh, always supporting me. He shows up to every fight that I have. He always gets a table or two. Um, so just thank you to everybody for all the support. Um, I think that 2020 is going to be a great year for me, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of firsts for Cleveland. So keep an eye out on me. Once again, this has been your uh, new Valor lightweight champion, David Ruthless Robbins. Congratulations, David. We will uh, we'll keep in touch here and uh, see what is next on the horizon. For now, uh, enjoy that win. Hey, thank you, brother. Good job, buddy. I'll tag you. I'll tag you up tomorrow. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Thank you. See you, buddy. Bye. And uh, that will do it for our recap of Valor uh, of Valor sixty of uh, Valor sixty five Nashville. Uh, looks like uh, coming out of this one, Greg will have a one point lead over Billy Swanson and uh, a several point lead over Jeff Hobbs. We'll see if Jeff can make it up here on the All Pro Show coming back. Uh, I wanted to uh, thank all of our guests tonight. We had uh, we had a plethora of them. Thanks so much to our panelists, of course. Uh, Jeff Hobbs for joining us earlier. Uh, thanks for David Robbins for uh, dropping by. Uh, thanks to uh, Paul Teague and uh, Jason King as well. You can catch them in action at next week's Valor 66 All-Pro event. And next week, you'll also uh, be on another picks panel. We're going to do a picks and preview of that All-Pro show that's going down at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. You can catch it on Flow Combat or get your tickets at fighterticks.com and that my friends is going to do it for another edition of the valor hour for my co-host justin watson and greg hopkins this is tim loy signing out till next time this is an mma report with jason floyd and daniel galvan quick fix on radio influence Watching your post-fight scrums, uh, a couple of things you said that kind of really stuck out to me. Uh, you mentioned about failing to make adjustments. Um, any, anything you can kind of point to towards of why, now that a couple of days have passed, of why you just couldn't make those adjustments? Man, you know, he had, he had like a, a weird time. He was, it was hard to find a rhythm with him. And so, you know, I just, you know, all he did was throw ones and twos and a couple of body kicks. You know, he really didn't do anything spectacular. I thought that he'd be... Uh, you know, he would look for more takedown attempts, but he only looked for the one. And, uh, so, you know, um, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on in there. The MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn radio, Google podcasts, and radioinfluence.com.